going on February 24th. Normally I do this on, I, I do the other discourse on fucking Thursday night, but I didn't get a chance to because because I was uh, doing AI AI art generating fucking stuff basically. I, I'm addicted to it now basically. Making your chances until you lie. How to bend, learn how to break, learn how to mend a broken heart. Learn to forgive, learn how to wait. Learn how to live before it's too late. Run from the light and you lock all your doors. It's harder to fight and you've gone down before. You just alright. If they play out so wrong So into the night It goes on and on and on and on and on I got a fucking long ass. I this probably I probably be here till ten o'clock fucking doing this podcast between all the fucking other discourse that I have in my head. I I, I haven't. If you want to go, if you look at my media section, I've been doing. Uh, or if you want to go to my Facebook page, I have it there too. All the fucking you know AI AI generators that I had. There's some. I I asked because again I, 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 a couple couple months a couple months ago I seen Robbie Martin, on Twitter. Cause he has like a he's doing he released a trailer for um, the thing, but like AI generated kind of shit. So he's like working on that. And before I even read what was going on, I thought he was just promoting a trailer for the thing, like maybe a remake of it, whatever, right? But then like you know, and I, I've seen some of the AI art that he was doing on his fucking page, and I didn't know like how the hell like they're doing this. Are they photoshopping this or whatever? I don't know how this shit works. And then, you know, when the Montreal weekend happened with a call, like, you know, um, people I was with were, were telling me about the AI art generator. And I saw it a bit in action, and I, I was like, I was not really into it. And then I started using Stable Diffusion on the web browser. Don't download the app for that one, right? A lot of the apps, you can do you, you, you can do some free shit, but they will, you know, char- well, like, not Stable Diffusion. Stable Diffusion is free completely. But what they call the, you know, the, um, the, um... The other ones like Star, like Starry AI or, or um, Dream Wombo or you know, uh, 
artistic AI, it's like, those, those ones will, like, will, you know, give you, like, you know, like, you know, let you do free, like, starting AI, you need to have five credits, they'll give it to you every fucking day, five credits to do whatever you want to do, and then, you know, and then, you know, and then, then you gotta earn them, or you gotta go pro, I, I don't really want to go pro yet, but, I, but since I'm doing a lot of them, I might as, maybe I will go pro, but thing is, Stable Diffusion's the one that Robbie Martin told me to use, that's free, and it gives you, like, pretty good fucking results, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, um, hold on, let me see, um, uh, hold on a second, let me play right here, hold on, uh, some of the ones I had are, uh, Vince McMahon playing poker with Tony Soprano, doesn't really look like Vince McMahon, Jimmy Dore and Britt laughing with the KKK, the guy in the KKK outfit looks like Jimmy Dore, but the guy who does, it looks like somebody else, it looks like, like Santino Morello a little bit, the other guy that's in, in here, um, Jay Leno passing win on a uh, on top of a clown car. Uh, I came up with some random ones, like Vince McMahon beating a court case and celebrating while eating ice cream. Shawn Michaels auditioning for a Bollywood flick in in wool form, like basically, like it's like the the Shawn Michaels is made out of wool. Like there's one, there's one fucking photo that he has like a bald ball with a mullet with the with like he has a skullet, which was like the funniest thing ever. What else I have here? Triple H playing hopscotch with Jeffrey Epstein. The thing is, it shows like a, a Triple H like figure with Jeffrey Epstein like you know busy watching him play hopscotch, and then I didn't fucking I didn't add this I didn't uh, request to add this, but they automatically added it. Some little kid is just walking by, so like that that adds to it. Even I don't know, uh, I don't know. Uh, Becky Lynch addition. Uh, Becky Lynch, you know, auditioning for you know um. For a Bollywood flick, you just—it's just, just a brown chick with red hair. Basically, it basically did that. Uh, Bill Maher being chased by Muslims. It, it looks like fucking um, Bill Maher being played by Julian Assange in this picture. Just one of Jank and Anna from TYT snitching on homeless people, which got me like at least a couple of profile visits. So, you know, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, Vince McMahon playing poker with dogs. Tony Khan waiting at fucking Tony Soprano executive game. Hulk Hogan as Zach, as Zach Morris, but like he has like black hair, whatever. 50 Cent kicking out Hulk Hogan from the NWO. Then I had like three different photos of like three different, like one's like a painting kind of in a way. One's a superhero kind of thing, whatever, but it's like Tom Cruise and Hulk Hogan at a Scientology picnic. Um, I, I did Bret Hart and Cameron as fucking the new Hart Foundation, which is a series of those pictures. Uh, Dave, uh, David Schwimmer fucking playing, uh, Sam Cedar. Zach Morris creating, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox on, uh, on Teen Wolf during, like, you know, when, uh, Michael J. Fox was doing the, uh, uh, you know, headstand, you know. Um, Vince McMahon is a Game of Thrones character, Trish Stratus cooking chicken vindaloo, CM Punk playing Ross from, uh, on Friends, Elon Musk, um, joining the cast of Saved by the Bell, uh, there's a Van Gogh painting of CM Punk biting Kenny Omega, uh, Luke Perry playing CM Punk, CM Punk joining the cast of 90210, Dylan McKay and CM Punk confront each other. Tony Soprano confronting CM Punk after a brawl out. 
There's like a there's a, a three part series of this one. Jesse Plemons playing Chris Jericho in a movie where Jericho's confronted by Black Lives Matter. Uh, there's one with uh, I put Bill Hader and Will Ar- Will Forte, uh, doing an SNS an SNL sketch playing Jimmy Dore and Tucker Carlson. Jake Uger as Baba Booey, McLovin playing Tony Khan, Mr. Bean as Jordan Peterson. Uh, Bastion Booger ha- had a you know career in New Japan and joined Bullet Club. It looks fucking so this one looks fucking hilarious. Uh, it, um, Chris Hansen confronting Anthony Camilla, Alex Jones stealing a dog's food, CM Punk giving this is the, this is a, this one was a pretty good one that I fucking got. CM Punk giving an intervention to Artie Lang. Then the other one was pretty good with like you know with the um Andre Giant Artie Lang partying. Uh, James Candlefini, uh, you know, on the night to watch in a Game of Thrones. Dusty Rhodes, if he was given uh, a Richard Simmons gimmick in WWE. Um, let me see. Glenn Greenwald transferring into uh, in transferring into uh, uh, transferring to uh, into Gilbert Gottfried, and then Eddie Kingston playing bingo for some odd reason. I don't know why I fucking did that one. Some pretty good ones here, man. I don't know. So yeah, so, so I I think people I think people I, I, I never really post on Facebook. I think some of the fucking people that I used to interact with on Facebook are like kind of getting tired of me fucking you know posting because 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 even though there's people behind the scenes that fucking like some of the stuff that I fucking put out whether it's a podcast or something that I create online, like there's people that do like it and then people who get like a bunch of fucking likes to their post because, you know, they're, you know, a lot, they're not, they're not a, a undesirable. They, you know, get fucking mad that even, like, three people will like something that I fucking wrote or some people that are giving me props or saying, you know. People feel threatened whenever, like, I say something fucking funny for some odd reason or do something funny. And, and then, you know, and, and then what happens is they get blinded by that, so then instead of pacing out their jokes and all that, they, you know, decide to, like, you know, hammer home more fucking jokes, so they go, oh, because again, once you get a com- competing mode, you get kind of fucking pissed off, because I can just do a joke seamlessly, basically, you know what I mean, and so I'm, so, and I'm not even saying my jokes fucking hit, or anything that I do fucking hits, but you, you have to have that mentality that you know that whatever you fucking say is not going to fucking hit, especially when you're politicizing laughs, when, you know what I mean, when you, you know what I mean, because again, it's, it's not even about who's funnier, it's about you know, which click could fucking, you know, has the most to fucking say, but, you know. Anyway, I, I, you know, I'm still having fucking, you know, um, future envisions and all that kind of stuff and accumulation of past shit. You know, knowing that fucking, you know, people you know will fucking, you know, deny um, the past abuse, mental abuse that they fucking given you or partaken in. And you have no one on your fucking side. So now that they hear these podcasts where I'm going off about this entire thing, it's like they got to move the goalpost or knock on a few. You know what I mean? Like basically, basically never letting me have a chance to vent to anybody else other than myself, basically. 
That's how fucking scared they are because I, I, I because because when I talk about what's going on and I have valid opinions, they don't want those to be. You know what I mean? I, this is why it's become more sociopathic when you see you know people you to interact with online or people in your life fucking doing that, and then they'll get mad at me fucking expressing this here. So then they'll be funded by my enemies. And by the way, if I agreed to fucking go do a deal with people that wanted me to do a deal with them, automatically the people that they're fucking funding to, like, you know, oppose me, like, they would be out of, out there. So I'm, I'm the one that's helping. In a way, I'm kind of helping them get more connections because, they're, because people who fucking take it personally that I don't join their fucking clique or join their fucking cult or whatever the fuck it is. They will fucking, you know, fund my fucking... You know what I mean? Oh, like, we'll let other... We'll, we'll prop up another person that does a fucking podcast and all that kind of stuff. Okay, go ahead, do that. You know what I mean? But the, the fact of the matter is the important people are really listening to what I'm saying, what I'm saying, which is motivating a lot of people to then have to go, oh, look, he's going to need... You know, I, I'm, I don't care how, much, how many people... Because, again, it doesn't matter how many people you get to listen to you. It's people, people nowadays only listen to people that are going to fucking reaffirm their confirmation bias about fucking certain things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if, if you become a, if you become so much of a people's fucking person, you will then, you know, go, okay, like you won't know what, like your mentality, you won't know who you are or what your fucking actual true feelings are because you're too busy trying to impress everybody else. Me, I just do what I fucking do. I don't need to impress everyone else. If people like what I fucking do, they can like what I fucking do. But a lot of people are not going to like what I fucking do. And that's fucking fine with me. I, I don't even plan on being here this fucking long. I really don't want to be here this long. Especially when you see how horrible and how elitist everyone has become. And it seeps out into your personal life and all that. I don't... I'm not fucking into that type of shit. So yeah, I have to expect that everybody, everybody is gonna fucking you know, uh, you know, because again, people are not happy with how I go about doing my shit. You make a lot of fucking enemies that way. Even people that are like you know you see time to time and all that type of stuff. You know what I mean? Like the the, the people have a like vitriolic fucking hate, and they don't like you know what I mean. And and the, and the thing is, so, so many people spy on what I write. And it's like, they will get mad at stuff that I write in, in my quote-unquote personal journal, but it's like, you're watching what I'm writing because you need to be on top of whatever I fucking say so you can double down, knowing that what they're called, like, and again, it's, it's not going to make you feel good because the more you double down on what they're called doing horrible fucking shit, like, in the, the, all that shit's going to fucking catch up to you. Just right now, a lot of you are, are too busy being social where you don't have to think about that. You don't have to be confronted with your fucking thoughts. I've been confronted by my fucking most... Um, most deepest, darkest fucking thoughts for the past fucking 13 years being being isolated from everybody while people took fucking pleasure in me being isolated. And then when, you know, the, 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 they know my trajectory before I do, then they fucking start planting fucking seeds of fucking doing me fucking favors and all that kind of shit. So then with the cold then I'd be the asshole if I go, yeah, well, when I fucking get vindicated, I don't want to be around fucking people anymore. Because that's when the true sociopathic fucking behavior will come out. Because everyone wants to be friends. And again, if you want to be friends with celebrities and all that kind of stuff, go ahead. I don't really care. I used to fucking give a shit, but now I really don't really give a shit. Sure, I'll take a picture with a celebrity or whatever the fuck it is. But I don't need to fucking, you know, oh my god, I'm going to see celebrities at a bar or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't you know. It, it, it's fascinating, sure. But, you know what I mean? I don't, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't need to be around that. I don't need to be lured in because I, I, I got I to hang out with a celebrity who might have fucking super horrible fucking politics. But because you can get a picture of free feet from, 
you know, whoever you shake down. Let me go over some stuff fucking quickly, you know what I mean? Because, again, I'm not going to try to do, like, you know, because, again, I, I got enough fucking, I got to do the impact, and I got to do the fucking AEW Dynamite shit. But, um, yeah, so, um, the discourse around the whole Norfolk Southern, you know, the lobbying, the lobbying that they do, like, all these people are just going to be playing dumb on, on air, and all we're going to do is just fucking yell at these people for fucking, you know, putting people's lives in danger, instead of actually maybe looking at the possibility that, you know, the overall accumulation of, like, horrible things continuously happening, and politicians fucking, you know, not, do, not, not doing anything on the fucking surface, even though... We're beyond anything being done on the fucking surface, even as much as you try to keep that fucking filler until, like, the world fucking implodes. So it's easy for, like, people to then point out the Democrats aren't doing anything. And again, I'm not saying don't fucking, you know, uh, shit, I'm not saying don't, don't criticize Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg or whoever, or whatever Democrats, uh, help fucking responsible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, they're booked for this fucking mess. Go ahead. But, but by design, the right-wing trajectory behind the fucking scene that has always been a right-wing trajectory, no matter who the fucking president or who is in fucking charge, because we're supposed to be going in that fucking direction. They are, you know, giving the good optics to Trump. And the thing is, when someone like Anna Kasparian says, like, when I say fucking, like, you know, people like Trump are geniuses or fucking smart, I say that so you don't lessen the fucking threat of what they're fucking doing. You know what I mean? Because people want to hate the fucking guy, and I, again, by all means, hate the fucking guy, but when mainstream hacks are the ones that are hating the guy, and they fucking, you know, like, you know, allow other fucking corporate fucking bullshit that they don't fucking call out people, or then are gonna go, well, then maybe Trump isn't so fucking bad. Even though, because they think that everyone's against fucking Trump, you know, and that he's the fucking victim. But now, what the call, you know, since everyone defines what goes on by what happened on the fucking surface, and that includes the online shit as well, even though people want to keep pointing out how bad legacy fucking media is and all that kind of shit, you can go ahead and point out how bad legacy media. But it's like when it's de- when the system is like designed to implode by design, it's also giving bad faith actors who can jump on the fucking obvious. Like like, like ten fifteen years ago, people calling out corporate media the way that they are, or calling out fucking you know CNN and all that kind of shit. Like it would have been fucking like a, a revolutionary at least a little bit. But now that fucking people, billionaires are funding people online with the call, like, you know, people, anyone can just say they're anti-imperialist or anti-this and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then, and then dumb it down by going, oh, look, the Democrats aren't doing anything, but Trump is doing something. Even though, like, he fucking, you know, helped deregulate, like, you know, he helped do the deregulation that's causing some of this fucking shit as well. But... You think anyone really cares about the systemic fucking shit? Because the optics is what fucking counts. This is what we define it by. Smart people, quote-unquote smart people on the internet, have dumbed it fucking down. for and, and then the way that they go and explain shit, they explain it in the most fucking, you know, most boring fucking, you know, uh, intellectualized, sophisticated type of way with their lingo and their fucking language and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, you're still dumbing fucking shit down while acting like you're fucking smarter than everyone else. But when someone like Anna says, like, oh, uh, Trump is, uh, like, smart, like, fine, you're acknowledging that he is, but then she, she seems like she's getting off on calling him fucking smart. Never once do I fucking get off on calling any of these billionaires smart, I just don't like lessening the fucking threat, in my personal fucking opinion.
Because I know, I know, I know, I know, I know where fucking Jank and Anna are going in the future. They're fucking, they, they promote the infighting between the Republicans and fucking rejoice in it. Knowing that it's all fucking sports entertainment. So that when fucking, you know, there's more shit that the fucking Democrats are doing. They're finding their moment of going, this, this is why they're so, this is why they're fucking going around that whole fucking thing about, oh my god, um... Like, after, the, like, them being the ones who are vitriolic towards, like, actual voters and, like, regular fucking people. Now, when every when the battle lines have been drawn and everyone's already aligned with what systemically they want to do, now they're choosing to go, oh, we can't make fun of the voters. And you, like, I'm not saying you should, but at the same time, you know it's not about just voters. It's, like, again, the, because you guys don't want to fucking discuss how a lot of this shit is fucking funded. Right, right now you'll milk as much money as you can be, uh, as you can by pretending to be a progressive before you fucking throw them under the fucking bus or lure more people into a meeting spot with your buddies Jimmy Dore and fucking you know David Rubin and all those fucking jerk offs. They'll keep telling you about like the the they won't offer you any solutions yet they'll fucking constantly make their material nonstop about how the mainstream media shit. Yeah, cool, you're telling us about all the horrible things, but then you don't offer no fucking solutions. You know that what the call this is, this is happening to push people into a fucking corner. But no, we gotta beat them with ideas. I don't know, what the call when most of you are already fucking uh, secretly on the right-wing fucking side, what ideas are you gonna beat them with when you guys are gonna fucking uh, ditch everyone to fucking go more fucking right-wing anyways? Whether you're telling us that they're fucking that there's chemicals and foods, whether you're telling us that Amazon fucking has another stronghold on 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 the medical field or some fucking I I don't even know, but every day is something that fucking Amazon's doing to become more obvious fucking villains. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be calling it out. All I'm saying is that what they call by keep establishing it, nothing's gonna fucking happen. They're just establishing what evil these people are fucking doing. We have fucking, you know, what they call Biden carrying out Trump-esque asylum restrictions. Again, I don't even know all the fucking rules. I just know on the surface it's never going to get better with whoever the fucking president is. But but this is what happens when you define each era by the president because the president is booked to be the fucking world champion. So, of course, you're going to fucking, you know, again, when, when Kevin Nash is the fucking world champion, you're going to blame him for it being fucking low fucking ratings or something like that, right? Or, like, the lowest drawing champion. But ultimately, it's the WWE's fault for the way they promoted him, right? They keep telling us more fucking shit that, like, and again, like, you, they, they tell us, like, oh my god, this is just weird what, what, what these people are saying. No, the reason why they're fucking saying it is because they're eventually going to get their fucking way. And that's why they feel more comfortable bringing it out. That's why you can have jerk off, like, Dave Eastman from Alaska talking about how, uh, you know, um, you know, um, uh, let me see what he said about child abuse deaths. Let me see. And it's like one of those things, um... Let me see. So it's like about child abuse here. In a case where child abuse is fatal, it, obviously it's not good for the child, but it's actually a benefit to society because there aren't 
needed for government services and whatnot over the whole course of that child's life. Through the chair, can you say that again? Did you say a benefit for society? Um, talking dollars. Now you've got yes. a- the, the thing is, a, a lot of people probably, I mean, a, a, a lot of people who have fucking, I'm talking about not, not, not just the politicians, like public figures and all that who have like their secret little factions, they probably feel the same fucking way on some fucking level in the sense that, if you know, they could fucking ease it and fucking save people from being fucked over and all that kind of stuff. There's a power structure behind the scene, but they would literally like love to sacrifice lives. So this guy's just being out in the fucking open about it because that's the type of fucking mentality that's going to be normalized, you know what I mean? And people are not going to fucking give a shit. But then, you know, only until their fucking family is affected. They all, you know, probably fucking care when, you know, when that shit's done. But they can, like, literally say shit like that. You'll be shocked, but it's like, to me, to me, when you already expect the fucking world to already be fucking corrupt and people are morally fucking bankrupt and they're more out for, like, their lust and whatever the power that they fucking crave. Like, I already expect the fucking worst. This, is, this shit doesn't fucking shock me. It shocks to everyone else because when you pretend society is, like, you know what I mean? Like, then, then, then you wonder why conspiracy theorists think that fucking the world elite fucking type of people are, you know, again, because, again, the, the, the media people want to pretend like these elite fucking people are just regular fucking people because they are in the same fucking system of being sports entertainers. Because, they, because they're probably up to no fucking good. That's why they wouldn't want you to know the fucking secrecy of how this world actually runs. They have to make it seem like it's by these official fucking rules. When when the rules have been fucking thrown, the rules have always been thrown out the window behind the scenes. But now it's being even more, even even more, you know, out there. The amount of shit that Donald Trump has already gotten away with, or other politicians have gotten away with. You really think that we're living in a fair fucking world? But no one has. No one wants to fucking, you know, become a conspiratorial person because that's a right-wing thing. But but go ahead. This is why the right-wing will fucking win because, uh, because you know, they've embraced the fucking conspiracies while, uh, you know, adding their own versions of fucking the conspiracies. How about this one? How about this disturbing one? Shorter, they'll negotiate shorter sentences for people that go to prison if they sell their fucking organs. You know, again, I mean, when you have shows like fucking, you know, uh, when you have like, you know, uh, shows like, uh, you know, with Squid Game and all that kind of shit. They're they're preparing you for what society is when they have when they show you shit like uh, the hands made tail and all that kind of stuff. They're manifesting this because that's what society is gonna fucking be, unfortunately. And there's no one to fucking do it. I mean, I I hope people fucking behind the scenes have a fucking game plan for what the what these far right wing fucking billionaires are fucking planning. But it doesn't seem like it. This is why I don't want to fucking. What well, what's the point of me being here? So I can see the world implode, and then I can be thrown to the fucking. I, I mean, I guess I'm supposed to be around so they can torture me more for fucking you know um, putting my opinion. I get anything that I fucking say. This is just my opinion again. I don't know if anything that I'm saying is 100% fucking true. But again, this is just me. This is a mentally ill man who's been dumbed down trying to interpret what's fucking going on because I'm I'm seeing visions of the fucking worst fucking happening. Again, I mean, I'm sure there's other fucking, you know, uh, you know, fiction 
you know, great sophisticated fiction that I can use to, you know, exemplify what was going on in my head. But I guess I'm a dumbed down guy that watches like, you know, MCU movies. Again, and again, I'm not saying I'm a super fucking fan of every single fucking movie. But the best way to fucking explain it is, uh, you know, I'm having a Doctor Strange fucking moment where I'm looking at, you know, different different fucking scenarios going on and all that. I don't know how, it's just like I can like literally see it and then I envision it and then I fucking get back into this reality mentally and then it's like I'm reacting to stuff that I'm already feeling from the fucking future. No one knows how deep the mental illness fucking goes because we, we say we care about mental illness but we actually don't. You don't understand how mentally ill people can be lured in to fucking dangerous cults. All you can tell us about online shit is that, oh, the FBI can monitor and fucking delete your fucking tweets and censor you. That's it. Like, not that they're building cults online of, of far right-wing fucking people to, you know. And I, I'm sure there's agents on both fucking sides because even though the fucking institution's fucking horrible, every like, I think every public figure on some level is an agent for something. Cause like no 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 one's just a regular fucking human being on this fucking planet. That's what we that's we gotta fucking realize. It makes no fucking sense. I I I hope I I really do hope Malcolm X's uh, family gets there. I the thing is I wonder if like right wingers like who you know because I get a lot of right wingers pretending to be you know, anti, you know, anti-FBI and all that kind of shit, like, we all know that, right? I'm, I'm wondering if, like, you know, the, if, if the, if the right wing will start to embrace, will, 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 like, take advantage of using what Malcolm X's family has been through and fucking seeking out, so they can use it for their own fucking case, because once there's, like, a story about the FBI being corrupt, then, like, you know, then what they're called, then you, you, you can do, the, like, I, I see, every time FBI does something corrupt, like, with, like, Black Lives Matter or this Malcolm X thing, someone like Jimmy Dore will come along and then go, oh, look, you see, this is why Trump, this is why they're targeting Trump so much. And it's like, dude, like, you know, and, and, and when, people do, when people fall for that and not realize that, you know, tr- you know, that Donald Trump could actually be with the FBI, but it's all theatrical, but we can't say it's all theatrical or it's all sports entertainment leading to fucking fascism because then their credibility gets fucking shot. Their, their whole credibility is how mainstream media is shit. That's what it, it's what it is. That's why, like, you know, but, but, and again, even though, like, it's good to call out what is, what, what, um, what, uh, the Israeli government and the apartheid is doing the Palestinian people, when I feel bad faith actors are using this, because again, people think, people, people, people really think that the, that, that, like, people online really think that the mainstream media is, like, literally trying to fucking fool us. When literally every single fucking, I know there's accounts that will just, Go go along with what's being said, but when funded accounts are pushing back so fucking much, you have to realize that like because like that's not part of legacy media. It's online. Even though Tucker Carlson is legacy fucking media, but I guess because he's repeating stuff that's online for these circles, people think that oh look, he's the only one that's doing the underground fucking stuff. Basically, when the underground stuff could be funded by other right wing billionaires to make us not give a shit about Ukraine. 
Because they'll keep hammering home how much money is going to be going to this fucking war. And it'll always piss people off, obviously, because you're like, that money could be going to other fucking things as well. And you dismiss that by design. They, people actually think that the fucking people are actually fucking clueless. That's the only way that you can actually call it out by having to act like it's America's dumbest criminal type fucking way when, like, they know that everyone is opposed to the fucking system. But it's like an unlimited fucking guys. So you're not going to believe anything that the U.S. says about fucking Russia because when has the U.S. empire ever told the truth about things that are going on in different fucking countries? That's why it was, it's been so fucking easy to then make people, like, mean that, like, I always found it fucking odd because I felt like, okay, if I want to fit in with, like, you know, more left fucking circle, then it means that I, sh- I should always denounce what the U.S. is saying, and I automatically have to side with the people who they supposedly oppose, like a Putin or a Assad and all that kind of stuff. No, and not realizing that I'm falling for other fucking propaganda. Not not that I want a, a war or I believe what U.S. is fucking saying, but I also believe that they fool us by making us think it's country versus fucking country when it's more about the ideology fucking going on and all that kind of shit. So when so whenever people say that oh like Ukraine is planning a a stage attack in Transnistria, uh, near Moldova and all that kind of stuff. Then you're supposed to think, okay, well, the, the people who are saying that, they're obviously telling me the truth 100% because they can take advantage. But the thing is, the people who will deny that, deny that like, that would be possible, whatever, and all that, are the same ones that deny that the U.S. has ever done anything dangerous over fucking sea. So it's like, like people who will call out Russia rightfully on some fucking level, like you know, the Russian government and all that, rightfully and all that kind of stuff. But then will then automatically defend everything that the U.S. empire fucking says in their narrative. And I can't fucking, you know, co-sign with that. You know what I mean? If I, if, if, you know what I mean? With the call, I would rather, you know, like, this is why it's so confusing to know. Because, again, but like, Jimmy Dore will keep saying that the fucking whole entire Ukraine is fucking Nazis. And then, and then also the same, the same thing with fucking the Israel thing. It's like, even though, like, they'll pretend like they're, like, some of them. I'm talking about guys like Jimmy Dore will pretend that they're concerned about um, Palestine and all that kind of shit. And there's, like, a valid concern for it. They will then generalize everyone in Israel, so that they, because again, a lot of these people are now working for the Christian fundamentalism. If they're, you know, because Trump represents that, the the far right wing Christian fundamentalism. So that must, you know, so so in some ways, even though they have some valid fucking points about what's going on in Israel and all that, they will then also fucking do it in a generalized fucking way as well. And then the, Jimmy Dore will keep fucking talking about how the uh, how uh, how, how uh, you know Nazis are running. Uh, are running Ukraine when, like, you know, they're fucking you know, the, the the far right wing got less than two percent of the fucking vote in Ukraine in in the in these elections. And yes, you can point at the Azov Battalion, which is but you being used by it because again, they don't. I'm telling you, if the system really wanted you to be concerned with Ukraine, they wouldn't be doing all these obvious transparent optics. But again, a lot of you would probably think that no, 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 the optics are being done there because they they don't know what they're doing and they're and again so they're so fucking evil and all that. But then at the same time, they're dumbed down not to basically show you what they're fucking doing. This is not going to lead to anything fucking good whatsoever. You know what I mean? They, they, they have the Democrats book like shitty fucking baby faces who are you're coming off more heelish. 
where you're gonna automatically side with the fucking, you know, with the, uh, with the fuck, oh yeah, people who gave you shit for playing lesser of the two evils with the Democrats are now gonna play lesser of the two evils with Republicans, because they might say a couple of fucking things that might be anti-war, even though they align with people that are not anti-war, and you're misleading your fucking audience, while pretending that you're better than mainstream fucking media. That's why, that's why members of the alt-media are, are complaining, whether it's Tim Pool, whether it's Matt, uh, Matt Walsh, whether it's Jimmy Dore, whether it's TYT, they're all fucking shit. At least, at least TYT for right now will do some progressive-like fucking things, but more and more they're moving more to the fucking right wing. They'll keep making it seem like what they're doing is like, you know, I've been told that Democrats don't like, uh, Democrats just told me in private that they don't like when we criticize them and we're going to criticize, like, dude, you could, it's like Jimmy Dore level shit that you're doing. I'm sure, I bet you any money, I'm sure there's things you can't really fucking say, like, you know, the, 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 the true things that are being fucking done. But at the same time, if you're criticizing them, not trust me, Jake would never have the balls to be a, 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 a brave fucking person. He, he would never have the balls to do that. So I don't buy that. He, he's been told by the Democrats, maybe back, back in the fucking day, maybe. But now everyone can fucking make fun of the Democrats. Just because it says it's frowned upon doesn't mean that it's actually frowned upon. Especially when people online are the ones controlling the fucking narrative. It said, it said we're do, do, doing like promotion of fucking books and uh, and uh, and you know, under culture war fucking. That's the only way you can promote it now. So you need you so you need to promote Legos. A good old, a good old fashioned commercial is not good enough. We have to make it you know oh look disabled diversity like with with disabled uh, pieces and all that so the right wing can lose their fucking minds. While at the end of the day, all you all you guys are doing is promoting Legos. Talking about more fucking people can't tell me the left has gone too insane when you're literally banning a book up, banning books about uh, gay penguins or whatever the fuck it is. There's a shooting in Orlando, and of course, you know the right wing has to use, like the they'll use the culture because even when when the left like you know left leaning people on platforms use the race issue, there's validity to it. But they'll do it in a generalized way where they make it seem like this is just a, ra- a, 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 a random white supremacist that's doing it, whatever, and all that. So because you do it in a generalized way, then the fucking then whenever and then and then whenever uh, they um a lot on purposely by the way too, some of these like you know democratic fucking platforms or progressive platforms will ignore it if it's like a black person that does it. So then it gives the right wing this carte blanche to then go, oh, you see, they're not mentioning that this guy was a Black Lives Matter supporter. And again, you don't even know, know, know that, but that's what Andy No or Miles, that, that Miles Ian Chong guy says all the time, whatever, and all that. But this, 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 this guy, he, he did a shooting somewhere in Orlando, and then he came back and he shot one of the reporters, and then that person is dead telling you to me it's like Arkham Asylum it's funded Arkham Asylum weirdos being put on fucking some heavy fucking drugs or being activated into doing fucked up shit like it, it, it is like white supremacy in the sense that what they're called the system of white supremacy is help controlling that no one's gonna fucking you know again and then and, 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 and the official rules is that DeSantis has been lax on the gun laws there so of course it's gonna keep fucking happening
nothing makes any fucking sense anymore in this fucking planet. I, I hate this fucking planet so much. Like, Matt Walsh is fucking becoming more unhinged about, like, not feeling bad for what, what um, for people, for, you know, for, for, for you know, because the trans people are feeling fucking threatened because, you know, people, they're sophisticating and manufacturing more consent against them while promoting the over-sensationalist fucking shit that, 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 that maybe doesn't, you'll find in every fucking group so that you can name it in every fucking, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll blame every, they'll generalize the whole fucking group. And basically make it seem like this cause that they're fighting for is not some fucking Nazi fucking level shit. They're accusing people of being people who are liberal and left. They're accusing them of being fucking the Nazis, and then they, that's why they tie it into that. Oh, look, they're supporting Nazis in Ukraine, while they're the ones that are supporting fucking Nazis in Russia or Nazis in fucking other places, you know, in, in the U.S. as well. And more and more people are going to that fucking right wing shit because they 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 they, they did what was easy going for going for the obvious fucking payday because everybody wants to be a fucking celebrity when the whole when the whole concept doesn't mean a goddamn fucking thing oh wow you you might get to see some feet pictures of your favorite fucking you know sex worker industry worker. I don't know. I'll go over. Um, I'll go over this stuff quickly because I, I'm running. I'm six fifty five. I'm running out of fucking time. Yeah, I want to get the dynamite recap done. Normally, I, 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 I it's my fucking fault for doing the AI generated shit. I wish that I, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I had fun doing it. You know what I mean? Like, I came up with some fancy ones. I think people are like, "Hey, Hansy, you're pretty good at this shit." But um, I knew once the Playboy Cardi story story was happening, I don't know because normally when they they need one big story, then to start doing your trajectory basically. So because he's married to Iggy Azalea, and he, I think they had a kid together. Now she gets to come out and talk about like how you know. Then you get the testimonial shit about how awful he was and all that kind of shit. Whatever. More like, you know, again, like, these are all fucking story. Again, it hasn't become the biggest storyline because, you know, unfortunately, like, I, I, you know, even though what he did was fucking bad, obviously, but, like, like n- just now a simple domestic abuse is, is not even that big of a fucking deal of a fucking story compared to, like, nonstop people who are being accused of being rapists and pedophiles who are, you know, still serving office. Or, you know, George Santos having, like, 80 million fucking gimmick names and all that kind of shit. It's like, it's like the, the, it's like the tra- traditional heat-getting ways of being a heel don't fucking work anymore. You gotta go, you gotta go the Big Boss Man 99 route, where you're, like, you know, cooking someone's dog and feeding it to them, pissing on his grave, stealing someone's, uh, someone's, uh, someone's, uh, dead relative from their fucking, from their funeral. Like, you know what I mean? You, you gotta do that crazy shit to get now heel heat now. Not not the basic like oh this city sucks. But I'm I'm sure there'll be more coming out about that. Um people were getting at Erica Badu because she was talking about how it's not a bad thing to have multiple baby daddies or baby mothers. And things for regular people, you know. Like, that's not, like, you know, the most healthy fucking thing to do because, you know, like, you know, especially for your finances and all that kind of shit if you can't afford it. 
But then you understand that like someone like Erica Badu, who's a celebrity, even though like a lot of celebrities love to make it seem like their relationships are all relatable and all that kind of stuff, they promote it and market it that way and all that kind of stuff to make it you know to kind of relate to regular fucking people. These people all fucking. This is why you're gonna find out that multiple celebrities have different fucking different families or different kids that they didn't talk about or that they weren't in the limelight and they'll become a storyline fodder basically. Because like these, because a lot of these celebrities and public figures, they get down that fucking way, and then it becomes a fucking scandal that's profitable as well. You'll make money off the off off the you know off the fucking scandal and shit. But that's like what, uh, an, an honest fucking approach to what's being what's being done behind the scenes. At least she's admitting it. I don't know why there's so much heat on that for that. I don't know. They're going to have a fucking uh, a crisis team for Oscar. See, again, they're, they're overdoing the promotion now. It's, it's like, oh, something was a wrestling feud that went wild. So this week, we need to have security <coughs> in case anything bad fucking happens again. They're acting like fucking Steve Austin from 98 is going to fucking show up. You know what I mean? I, again, just more gimmick fucking things that are going to fucking happen. I'm sure this week, this year, nothing will fucking bad happen. I'm sure they'll make a mockery of something that, you know, whatever. They'll, like, they'll, you know what I mean? But that whole thing to me was always staged anyways. It's, it's like pro... I mean, if you want to make the, make it pro wrestling, then at least defend the fucking awards. That'll make it more fucking interesting, like I've always been saying. By the way, Jim Carrey got, uh, you know, Jim Carrey deleted his Twitter. But before he deleted it, he was, like, denying being on Epstein's Island, which then is always, like, oh, look, somebody looks like a, someone looking like a hypocrite. That's, like, the favorite discourse. So I'm sure he'll be revealed as being on Epstein's fucking island. And, you know, and then because for, for right now, it's, like, vague right now because then people are going to be like, how can you think Jim Carrey was on that? How dare all of you? And then you're going to find out more. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, but now, now we feel fucking dumb. Whenever they plan these things, it's by fucking design. I can always fucking see it from, a, you, know, far, you know, from far away. Nas was on uh, Stephen Colbert, and he's talking about how you know, he doesn't feel inspired by artists his age anymore. Because it's all... I'm actually glad he gave the younger generation props that, you know... Because a lot of people who, like, love, like, their favorite hip-hop from the 90s and all that... That always put down the new music. And they'll define the new music by what's, like, you know... Like, on, like, you know, regular fucking radio and all that kind of shit. When there are, like, underground artists or even artists that are Nas's age... Still doing good fucking... As someone that listens to a lot of fucking projects, even from, like, the old heads... They're still doing some fucking good, like, you know what I mean? They're still doing some good work and all that type of stuff. Like, though, like if I listen to an E-40 album, he will always at least have two or three tracks that can go, hey, this sounds like a current day fucking hit that, you know, that doesn't sound like, oh, look, an old head, you know, trying to stay relevant and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, some of these guys do work with younger fucking talent. And there are ta- talented fucking, you know, current artists and all that. But because people are so beholden to the past and always making sure the past is, like, like you know, kept intact 
so no one can beat the records or no one can, you know, touch them, whatever, and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, there's a lot of fucking talented fucking people if you actually, like, do go and listen. But nowadays, people don't listen to for the actual music. It's more about, like, oh, you're a Logic, oh, you like Logic's music? That must mean that you fit in every, whatever um, whatever box we're going to put you in that we put all Logic fans. And, and But it's like, I just like the fucking music. If the guy can fucking spit and has some good fucking beats, I don't really give a fuck if, if the guy's a loser or if a weirdo or whatever the fuck it is. Like, all your favorite artists are all weirdos, too. Whatever. Here's some wrestling stuff. So, people think Vince is back in creative, and guys like, you know, Alvarez are trying to fucking act like... Oh, if Vince was back, we would know when things are not promoted. We would know if storylines just drop. They see again, they've. They, Vince McMahon, is, in my personal opinion, has always known what his trajectory is going to be in the fucking future. He knows that he, you know, again, these guys, like, you know, are, are, are steps a fucking head. Even if, like, oh, on a weekly basis, they don't know what they're fucking doing and all that kind of stuff. Even though, like, them not knowing what they're doing is part of, like, knowing what they're fucking doing, if that makes fucking sense. But at the same fucking time, I'm supposed to fucking buy into that because, oh, Vince McMahon couldn't be back. Basically, they don't, they, they're trying to, people, people like Brian Alvarez are trying to, are trying to withhold it because they, because if they knew Vince McMahon is back and they're covering it, then it will make them look like they don't give a shit about the sexual assault allegations that are going on. You know what I mean? So they have to fucking have, even, even though Triple H is not any fucking better. You know what I mean? Like, Triple H has covered up what Bill Lamont tried to fucking do. At least they want you to fucking think that, at least. At least, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, this is probably going to be the reason why Sami Zayn's push is going to be more demote. Because, again, that now it's going to turn into a real-life fucking storyline. That's why Meltzer keeps, you know, adding in that, oh, my God, they're afraid that Sammy fa- Sammy's, Sammy's fans are going to be booing Cody Rose during this build. Like, they keep ampling it up. which will pro- but, but And if that promo on Monday was any indication of how, like, how they're going to do this, then it'll probably end up being that way, which is by design. Which, again, is another WWE fucking trope online. But because you think WWE doesn't want that to happen, or they never wanted to push, such, you know, just like how like they're trying to fucking make Charlotte, they're trying to make Charlotte fucking look like, uh, um, you know that you know she's being pushed as a baby face, even though we all fucking see her as a heel. But they actually think that, like, even though they, they do support her because they're putting her in that role, but they actually think that people want you to actually fucking like Charlotte. When, especially when you tell her that her and Rhea Ripley are going to be main event of night one, basically. And then it ties into, like, oh, they're only doing it because Mercedes um, was making headway uh, as being a fucking main, of, being a main event at a New Japan show and all that kind of shit. But people actually think that what they call, like, them falling for the obvious people of who they choose, even though the system could be choosing Mercedes and Brian Danielson or Sami Zayn on some level, but it's on the other side of the spectrum where their booking is going to be more about the real life and overcoming like the obvious fucking you know the the the, the over the, the theatrical oppression that they fucking face basically. And then I, you know, I didn't even pay attention to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards because there's always, whether it's PWI or this, it's always like a way to like retread the same debating shit. It makes no fucking difference to me.
It, 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 it really doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, really, I really don't care. I, I mean, listen, I'm happy for the awards or whatever the fuck it is, but I'm not going to fucking go over... You can go look at them yourselves, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you can always... Uh, you can always do it yourself, whatever. People are mad because we got the worst promotion of the year because they've been better, but it's like no one paid attention to the NWA, you know. It's like it's been going on for the last ten years. The same thing. Even when I used to call the Boston Open, every year there would like there would be arguments of PWI or, or not so much the Wrestling Observer News uh, letter, but the, getting mad over like, oh my God, Miz was on the cover of PWI or or what, what, what else was it? Oh, oh yeah, the, the usual, hey, uh, let's talk about the Mount Rushmore of whatever and all that kind of shit. I don't... Uh, Jeff Hardy is getting some heat because uh, he was sentenced to 30, 38. I think he pled no contest or like not. I, I guess either he pled no guilty and it was a no contest or whatever the fuck it is. But the thing is, people are going to get mad that he's only serving this little time and he's gonna probably going to come back. But the thing is, like these celebrities, I'm telling you, because again, it's not going to make sense how all this fucking works. And there's so much inconsistencies. Thing is, these celebrities are not playing by regular fucking rules. If you're, if you're meant to get caught, you're meant to fucking get caught. Whatever fucking happens is designed to fucking happen. These guys don't play by regular rules. It's just another way. Because again, once you become someone that has an addiction problem and you're on the surf and, and people know about, you know, that's like one of your personality traits, the system is always going to book you in those situations. Like, the booking is going... Like, because these guys are above the... Like, not the competitors themselves. The people that control, like, who have the institutional power. They fucking have... They have more power than a lot of fucking lawmakers. Just as much as lawmakers. They have, like, you know, these billionaires have cops and fucking, you know, federales on their fucking payroll. They could literally fucking orchestrate shit because it'll become theatrical. It'll become fucking discourse because that's what they, that's what fuels and profit people profit off of. I don't know. And then there's uh, you know uh, Omega's contract status, the usual like oh look they extended his contract. No one's gonna get mad at Tony Khan for doing it, but the Tony Khan doesn't release people. The way WWE does on the surface, right? But it's yeah, still fucking bullshit, whatever, right? But they're making it seem like Omega is going to be WWE bound by the time 2024 fucking hits. Which, I mean, who? so I, so if they're still around, I thought that, you know, they would probably maybe leave by the time CM Punk comes back. So it'll make it seem, so they'll become bigger heels by avoiding CM Punk by, you know, uh, not wanting to even work a program with him, even though, like, that is part of the fucking program. All this is part of the fucking program on some fucking level. Who fucking knows, though? I, I want to say congratulations to Sonya Deville, but... The thing is, is like, I know people people weren't focusing on this, but... Like, even though, like, you know, like I'm happy that she's out and doing her thing, whatever, and she represents for her for the LGBTQ community. I thought it was fucking cowardly when she was asked about... Uh, 
uh, you know, the don't say gay bill. Like you, like you know what I mean? Like you made, you made it. Oh, like everyone just has their opinions. Like that's not an opinion. That's lawmakers signing in the law to erase their fucking. You know, this is why I say that so many people in the industry, um, no matter what their community is, like they'll represent for the community on the surface, which is a good fucking thing. As like you know, uh, you know, as a, as a whole, as, as a whole, whatever, and all that kind of stuff. But but the, but at the same time, you know. Um, when it comes to actual laws being passed, and you know, people could, like, if you're gonna be a fucking advocate for the community, and and maybe I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe behind the scenes she doesn't agree with it, and she's actually you know she she doesn't want to get targeted or whatever and all that kind of stuff. But I I thought that was you know a couple you know like a year ago I thought that was fucking cowardly that she didn't that that, that I, if, if if I'm just saying if you're gonna be somebody that's like making bank. And and profiting off of like you know do, putting your image to the LGBTQ community so you can get support, then you should fucking support the fucking you know like you know people that are gonna be affected by this don't say gay uh, gay bill basically, or people in the trans community. But again, you know, but Sonya seems like one of those Republican lesbian people, who's probably like a Trumper. And she, and she thinks the optics is way more than the... Because people, people pay attention to the optics. People don't care about what your opinion is on a systemic thing. Because they look at the systemic shit, it's just a difference of an opinion. It's not a difference of an opinion. These are people that are fucking sophisticating and advocating for horrible fucking shit to happen. This is why I, I, I can't fucking interact with... Because, because the, people, the, the, people, the people that I fucking know that will fucking do the same thing. Like, oh, we don't have to agree. But it's like, if the stuff that I'm not agreeing with you is like, like you advocating for something that might fucking harm fucking, you know, uh, uh, the generalized communities and all that kind of stuff, then no, I, I can't really rock with you. And this is why, you know, uh, you know it's, it's not realistic to have that. So wh- wh- why would I want to be here when the world's already going to shit even more? It just makes no fucking sense to me. I don't know. And then Carmela was kind of like, wrote like one of those depressing notes about her feeling bad about not getting it. See, again, this is what, see again, she, she went through some traumatic shit, but then she's now using it to now get dunked on. Because again, dude, these celebrities only care about engagement. So everyone's gonna duck. Any chance for someone to fuck up or say something, say something that's like kind of weird, because of a two K fucking rating, they're gonna fucking get dunked on no matter what, right? So you know, of course. So again, like I look at that as like, like I'm not looking at the fucking what happened to her as like a gimmick, whatever, and all that, because that's tragedy, what happened, whatever. You know what I mean? I feel bad for her. I hope she fucking is doing well. But like using that of what you've been through to fucking vent about a two K rating, I mean, people are. are cause, it's, I mean, again, what, what can I fucking say? I mean, if, if, if it really pisses you off that bad that you weren't rated high in a 2K game, like, does everything have to become, like, a gimmick, a, a, a gimmick, where then, you know, everyone just looks like a fucking parody afterwards? Like, does does anyone know how to act like a fucking human being? Like, I know I don't look like a human being, but at least I, at least I can try to act like one. I don't think everyone, you know, whatever. Who's ever 
single person on this planet. My dream girl, a girl I fell in love with, she convinced me not everyone in this world is bad. So then I became the man who got down on one knee. And I told that girl I wanted to start a family with her. I wanted to make a home with her. I wanted to have children with her. And you know what she did, Brian Danielson? She left me. She left me, Brian. you for everything 
you have taken for granted. So now, I'd like to take this chance to speak to your children watching at home. Hey, hey, don't you dare bring my children into this or I'm gonna kick the shit out of you. Listen, I know I'm supposed to be doing what people on the internet are supposed to do since they're given the talking points and narrative, but it's disturbing how much uh, uh, they love to double down more and more on playing this anti-AEW shill characters, you know what I mean, where they have never said shit about the shitty storyline that existed before, you know, their almighty CM Punk showed up, and during the time he did show up, when I, I've seen people gas up the shittiest programs or, you know, that were not booked properly, and now you know, the, now doing this act since CM Punk has been gone, it doesn't really come off as genuine. Not everyone's gonna like everything on the show in any era. Like I understand that completely. You know what I mean? But people are playing dumb about storytelling and lack or the lack thereof. And I and I would say there is a bit more structure now than there has been in a in a while. People wanted them to do a pay per view level card every single week more and more. And guess what? Now people can't stomach that, you know, someone like Evil Uno was in the main event. Like, they're waiting for the range to be abysmal because of, like, of that, but it actually gained viewers in that sense. But the overall show was over a million. Not that it matters to me because a show can be good and not many people have to watch it, but people questioning why Uno's in the main event. But then, you know, I, I, mean, I, I don't recall this fucking complaints when Serpentico and Luther were main evented with Jericho on Dynamite. In, you know, in my personal opinion, one of the worst main event matches on the show. Not every big match has to, but I, but I understood that it was like okay, the twenty, the Jericho's thirtieth anniversary or whatever the fuck it is, twenty fifth anniversary into the game, whatever, and all that kind of shit. So they just did that, you know. Not every big match has to be the main event of the show. It, it was about an angle with Mox and Hangman, 
and the same time you let a mid card guy step up and have a memorable performance. So I don't know. I guess when you know, uh, you know, the shills online write more discourse to make you know shit worse for the program, and then the CM Punk coming back, then they won't question that shit. That's why you know once he comes back, I I probably have to try to be done with this. I'm gonna try my best, but you know it's, it's not gonna happen because. I, I just don't want to give online show the satisfaction of them dumbing down some of the fucking rhetoric and narratives and ha- and have scattered booking to build up negative rapport so we can have, like, Mercedes and Punk show up to save the fucking day so their... <coughs> so their show accounts can, you know, then create the narrative of them, of them being needed. Like, you could still have a fucking good program and not do all this internet discourse shit. And still have Punk and Mercedes needed. But it has to be like, you know, they have to do what WWE does with the Roman Reigns. Instead of saying the guy just probably signed a part-time deal and needed a big storyline in real life to, like, hold people over. You know what I mean? They, they, they wouldn't dare say that. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't care, but since, you know, people are undercutting talent and acting like anyone who enjoys what is given for the most part are people who are the problem. Yeah, it's the, it's the people who are, who are into other people stepping up and keeping solid programs going for the next for for the most part, not the permitted shitheads who give the who get the advanced script to then basically shit on any um everything because online narratives are the be all end all apparently. Like online 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 critics and the criticism doesn't really mean as much when a lot of people are paid to be mediocre personalities, people who should be behind the scenes trying to, you know. People who should be behind the scenes, people are trying to act like main characters. That's why they're booking the same shitty storylines online, you know. Like the, these people complaining now were the ones who shot on everyone else for complaining on too many signings. Yet, you know, their only great idea for talent now is to act like it's a conspiracy why certain people are not being booked. Internet narratives have never really met. Internet narratives, I never remember meaning so fucking less to me because they're still backed by the fucking system. But there's way too much, you know... But to me, at least, there's too much blood in the fucking main event. And I know they're constantly building that up more and more. Like, Uno's already bleeding enough, and Mox didn't need, need to because he... I mean, he could have just pulled an Andre the Giant on Lanny Poff in that Battle Royal in the 80s. Just have him... You just have Uno bleed. Get some sympathy for Uno, but then Mox had a fucking bleed after the match. You know what I mean? Like... And all, and all we can do is the, all do the blading discord for the online narrative. They're definitely overdoing it. And I guarantee you, Warner will tell them they have to quit it eventually. That's what it's all leading to. They don't have to go overboard before it gets too out of control. And since that's becoming part of the discourse, that's, you know, it's the next fucking, you know, thing that they'll do. But I'll try to go over this briefly. I say that now in the intro, but the other thing was that Tony Khan's announcement, which was to give Adam Cole the prestige to be the one to make the announcement for a third hour of the programming block of a backstage series. I I knew I knew I knew it was gonna be something underwhelming, so he can then get something he he can do something bigger later on without us without telling us basically. But this is such a fucking you know tiring gag, the whole shitty announcement and people online bitching about it and the the the, the obvious shills who play the role of defending every move the company does will defend it, which makes it fucking annoying. And that's the only time the anti AEW shills get to shine and then and then act like you know they they can say others are paid for the company. They basically take a lot of my arguments against them so they can do it to others, basically. And, and I guess they're fine with the aesthetic of having a backup to confirm their narrative, but in their heart of hearts, they, they, they know they're not being genuine at all. 
all the shit just to boost, you know, CM Punk or, or, or whoever their fucking favorites are. There's no point in even engaging on what you like about the product because they're not going to budge off their anti, you know, anti-stance because the narrative is we're not supposed to like the entire thing and act doom and gloom, even though I never feel like I waste my time with watching uh, a Dynamite episode. I didn't, you know, I don't think the creative is like the best it's ever been, but there's definitely shit that people are into. People are into the acts, people are into the promos, matches for the most part. They're like little things that I can appreciate, but if I do that, the cult of multiple personalities, you know, you know, then I'm the only one, I'm the one who's kissing the company's ass when, you know, you, you know at my core I'm not into that shit. Just because I don't hate the company in the same fake way a lot of people online do. It doesn't mean I have to, it doesn't mean I don't have my qualms. I, I've defended people who were, who, who were piled on by the fucking company and people's lives that were ruined. I'll agree that women's division is as worse right now. Like, the ladies will work hard, but we have to wait for Mercedes to show up. They don't give these ladies enough time to develop their storylines properly. And even if the the all-access show uh, does tell stories, will it be addressed on Dynamite often? Like, I don't know. But Saray versus Sky Blue was not that good. I'll give Sky Blue props because the Arizona crowd did love her um, when she was getting momentum in the match. But the, you know, whole WWE versus AEW shit has been done horrible. Especially when you know that, like, on the surface, like, they, they, they've done interviews where it was horrible for them. So why would they be representing a WWE side? You know, I get whatever. Like, Jay doesn't have anything interesting going on. You know, she wasn't on the show. People think that she has to keep the title because... No one's on her level, but she's still green, and they clearly don't book her properly. So why not add storyline? Why not add storyline vulnerability to, uh, of her suffering her first loss or dropping the title? Who says she can't win it back again? How is that good booking to keep a title on her when the you know again you know when they're not even booking it properly? I wish they gave her more high profile feuds, but people don't want others to get a chance to shine in this company. And are just being selfish because, you know, they're probably friends with the talent while pretending they're unbiased critics. It feels it feels there's more effort to book the division like shit so they can book themselves to be heroes later on. Like, you know what, what needs to be done? Just fucking do it. But when companies are more about the discourse than the actual programs and how to improve shit, then the whole thing will fall apart. And I'm sorry, the entire... Uh, the online complaints in the 2010s or early 2000s were more, uh, you know... We're more original, and now they all feel watered down because it all turns out that you know, every account is a hypocrite or shady on some level. So it uh, basically just faction warfare. Why do I need to be here for this like for this rebooted shit? Stark's promo with Jericho had a good reaction. Basically, the initial win and this crowd reacting to this shit was the best part of this feud. Like these two, the, the, these two should thank the crowd for being into it. You know what I mean? For because Stratus was practicing his sports entertainment tactics because he's going to be in WWE bound eventually. And the mystery of who's going to, you know, um, who, who's, um, and the mystery is who got, um, who's in the, the mystery is who, who got who in this confrontation because they both think they fooled each other. When we, when I know it's probably going to be, and Journey's going to probably show up and cause Starks to match since JAS is banned, you know, and this feud will continue even more until Starks eventually leaves. That's what I predict. 
So I appreciate the fans at least getting behind it, but I, I, I didn't like I didn't like this. The women match was uh, the rest I thought was fine uh, for the most part. People are now complaining about Jungle Boy and Christian's feud, and the com- and the complaint is that there's no storytelling when they've actually paced this one out pretty well. They had Christian turn on him in June. They feuded throughout the summer to build up an all-out match, and Christian beat him when Lucha helped him. Jungle Boy beat Lucha very definitively, and they went away for a bit and let Jungle Boy get his wins and intentions to pursue goals, just like, you know, Lucha and Christian wanted to. But now Christian is back, but it was not like it was a non-stop weekly this feud happened. There was, and there's still enough tension that it could pick up at any time. Like, I hope it's over uh, finally after this, but they actually might continue it. Basically, anyone who's close with the Elite... Their segments and feuds will get shit on because Pepsi Messiah gave them their orders. I don't, I don't, I didn't mind the firm versus the acclaim. It's just a match to have acclaim get their win to keep rehabbing their fucking title loss, and they're still part of the show in a, in a meaningful way because everyone's into their act. I guess people b- being into stuff now is a detriment, according to the pro punk contingent. The battle royal was kind of fucking cool. I thought it was one of the better chaotic ones. You know, it's hard to make battle royals interesting when all these spots have been done. But this is one of the better ones, and I felt like the right winners won with Jared and Lethal. The way they did it got so much heat, and I love how they use character work and tactics to manipulate their reaction. There are several promos backstage. Joe had one. Uno and Hangman had one where Uno had to tell Hangman to stay back because Uno had to step up. There was a brief House of Black promo. I think it'd be cool if they actually. I, I'm gonna keep saying it. I, I, it'd be cool if they cut a promo fucking lot in front of a live crowd. Like they keep doing these promo when you like 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 keep keep doing these promos when you can't get on the show. But you need to have a live promo for people to feel what you're saying. And maybe they they have that plan. Maybe, but since their booking has been kind of suspect, you know, since the beginning, it needs more than what they're doing right now. MJF and Brian is a feud I'm into, but you can't say that apparently because the promo from MJF have not been as great as they could be during the certain times in the promo. But when he needs to make it count, he really fucking does. People are mad that there's no heat to the feud other than the match being mentioned, and then the usual run the gauntlet opponents, and then more and then more origin story of MJF, which is running dry now, obviously. But this is like ended up being. Uh, being like you know the, the the story that he told ended up being for real and it's it's, it's current basically like his fiance did leave him recently, and since the online is another form of kayfabe, it wouldn't shock me if she was not designed to be if she was not to, it, it, it would not shock me if she was designed to be a future sports entertainment who will do interviews and make MGF a bad uh, you know a bad guy for real or something. I mean, because these celebs fuck whoever they want whenever they want. You know what I mean. I wonder if it'll be revealed that MGF cheated on her with Liv Morgan. Whenever they plant picks online for people to get a buzz about, it always turns out to be more to to add more value to why that picture will mean something. Because these public figures' whole lives are now a fucking show. I, I don't agree with it, but that's just how it, how it is apparently. But even even if I didn't know who this was about, if this MGF fake if, if this was MGF's fake plan to get in Brian's head, he made valid points about Brian and him putting the business over his family. Not saying he was a hundred percent right because MGF is still a piece of shit. And if MGF wanted to reveal what really happened, he could reveal the industry forces people, to, you know, to sacrifice since it's a mafia and a mafia go, it goes before, you know, it goes before your family and all that, you know. Especially if the family and relationships are also part of the kayfabe and business relationships, in my personal opinion, to be relatable to regular people. 
But I liked MJF having a midlife crisis and having layers to what he is and who he is. I'm not saying like every single part of the promo. Uh, I like every single part of the promo, but they never. But to me, they're never boring to me. People will still gas up CM Punk's promo to go against Mox over and over. And guess what? No one talks about it anymore. No one talks about his shitty title reign either. What I'm, what I'm saying is the reframing from MJF's perspective of Brian's choices is kind of a valid, even though we look at Brian like a guy who has passion for his dreams and wanting to wrestle all the time. But at the same time, I pointed out by making it seem the system doesn't want that and they pretend to take care of the wrestlers. It only puts, puts on the talent solely, and some talents perpetuate things that need to be done, I guess. And I'll, I'll get to it. I thought it, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do an in-depth one, but, you know, this is my nature, I guess, since I've been doing this nonstop AI artwork and I can't stop. But Yuta versus Orange Cassidy was the opening match. I would have thought they would save this for the pay-per-view kickoff because you could get more mileage out of it, but it was clear that BCC are now definitely more heelish. They're getting booed. Not only not only was Yuta acting more aggressive, more than usual. You had Claudio come out talk some to talk sense into him, and get him more aggressive, and even signaling for Yuta to leave the ring so he wouldn't give his old stablemate a hug afterwards. So I, I like that. I figure after Revolutions, where Mox and company will probably turn on Brian, but this really set it in stone that BCC are the ones going heel. This opening match was my favorite of the night, though. This is uh, really well done because Orange Cassidy's tactics make Yuta snap. And when you see the Drunk Uncle style being um, bait serious competitors, it can work out so much better. And then o Orange Cassidy having to get aggressive because Yuta was not fucking around. I wouldn't have been mad if Orange Cassidy had lost the title, but, but I think Yuta losing will make him more vitriolic, I guess. But I enjoy this match a lot. I like when uh, it brings out another side of the competitors who might have... Uh, a predictable style, but this was like, you know, a really good match. Solid title defense. I'll give them props for showing footage of Yuta being part of Best Friends and teaming up uh, um, teaming up with Orange Cassidy in the past. And they also showed the full promo from Rampage about how Yuta thinks Orange Cassidy doesn't care enough and he has a title while he he's the one that's fighting for his life to keep his pure title. So it makes sense, plus you have the tie-in of how he was a clown when he was with the Best Friends, right? And Yuta does such a good job becoming this character that I totally forgot that he was even part of Best Friends at times because he was so generic with them. And I know this booking consistency has not been the best lately, but at least as a character, I know his motivations and what his mission statement is. So Orange Cassidy sticks his hand out for a handshake and Yuta thought, it was, thought about it, but he tried to slap us, tried to slap, but Orange Cassidy countered. They tussle around for a bit, you know, it was too hard to keep up with. Orange Cassidy did the Casadora into a crucifix pin. They exchanged aggressive pinfall attempts. It was it was it was too much for me to keep up with. I was trying to relax, but I appreciate how much how much of a hot start it went with. Yuta waited outside after getting bested for a while, and he gets the takedown and putting out some submissions. More countries and pinning attempts. Uh, sorry, more countries, more counters and pinning attempts. Orange Cassidy had them all tied up um, with the seatbelt, which surprised Yuta. Which made him go for another break outside. Claudio comes out and talks some sense and tells um, Yuta to get more aggressive and starts and, and, and you know, he slaps Yuta a little bit. Yuta gets more aggressive and starts wrenching on Orange Cassidy's eyes and bites him. Then does a nasty lariat. Topes onto him, throws him around the guardrail and table area and dumps it on him. And Claudio gives him a high five and then he leaves. And now Yuta was in his groove. Orange Cassidy eventually blocks a chop by putting a hand in his pocket, and Yuta had no time for it, so he just beat the shit 
shit out of him even more. And then Orakashi still is uh, uh still starts slow kicking him, which angered him even more, and it gave him a chance to drop Orakashi to drop kick him. Orakashi on the apron does a ten head slam and does a um does the uh, you know ten ten head slams to the pad basically, and then Yuta gets a Manhattan drop while Orange Cassidy was in midair. He does an enziguri and he does a diving elbow, and then before picture in picture he baseball slides Orange Cassidy outside. The crowd was like booing the fucking shit out of this guy too. He had control throughout the entire break to come back. He misses the diving splash. Orange Cassidy gets a punch, but Yuta counters and they counter a bunch of shit until Yuta did that brain buster for another suplex variation for a near fall. I was not worrying about me not doing a good job with the recapping of the matches. You know. I mean, I was just trying to fucking, you know, uh, you know, I was just trying to keep it as less as I could. I, I know I'm still doing a lot regardless. Um, you know, Yuna did the stomps. The crowd is visibly booing all this. Orange Cassie upkicks a bunch of times uh, to counter the fucking, you know, the, 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 the chest stomps. And then gives Yuta a hug, which pisses, uh, he gives Yuta a hug, which pisses Yuta off, and he headbutts him. There's a bunch of hammer fists to the, to the head. Yuta keeps rebounding in, and does, you know, from back and forth, whatever, you know, the, the rebounding in. He does an up kick and then attempts, uh, the three Germans, but he struggled. Well, he got one, but then Orange County turned around and got one himself. They counter more pins, etc. Yuta gets a mouse trap for, for a near fall. Yuta spit, uh, spit a gum in his face, and Orange County does it back. They exchange elbow strikes nonstop. They get fatigued. But then they keep it going until they drop each other. They make up to they make it up at seven. Yuta counters a beach break attempt. He grabs the ear to out the outside and tries for a pile driver, but Orange Cassidy um, back body drops him on the apron. And then he does a diving DDT, diving DDT on the, off the apron, and uh, you know, uh, and then inside the ring gets a satellite DDT. Yuta blocks a beach break, gets a pile driver. It's a near fall. So he does a hammer and anvil elbows. He goes for the seatbelt, but Orange Cassidy gets a hammer and anvil um, el- elbows on him. I put hammer. And anvil albums. Uh, they exchange pinning attempts, and then uh, out of nowhere, orange orange punch for a very close near fall. He does a beach break for another close fall. The crowd's getting more unglued from each kickout. Yuta tells him to bring it, and Orange Cassie gets the orange punch for the win. After the match, Orange Cassie wants a hug, and the crowd's egging it on. But then Claudio comes back out to tell him not to do it, and then Yuta aggressively walks out. This is a good business right here. I didn't think we. Well, I didn't think we would get to the heelish. I didn't think we'd get to the heelish shit this, you know, right away. But this week it was more obvious than it's ever been with the Claudio coming out to tell him not to do the hug. You know, it it was one thing to him to talk encouragement to Yuta to get him to do better, which is still which still came off kind of heelish. But preventing the fans to cheer something is kind of asking for people to boo them, which I don't mind at all. But they, uh, but the way they worked their match and and how they brought out aggressiveness out of, out of each other with the styles was really good touch. I wonder if this continues later on, <laughs> but this is one of the better matches on this on this show. None of the other matches were super bad, but this was like, you know, but this is the problem with having so much quality matches and giving away 100 giving matches all the time. And then when they have decent shows where not everything has to be super crazy, people will start complaining about how the matches are not up to par. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I thought this match was, you know, I thought this match was solid and had had uh, time, um, you know, they, they, they sped it up, at, you know, at the time they sped it up. And it was too much to keep up with, but I did like the character work that was being done. You know, and this Arizona crowd really helped make this feel even more epic. This was another uh, a good crowd, which added to the show in general. But the more intriguing part was how obvious it was that BCC are definitely going in that direction of being a heel. Because I was sure, I was sure they were before, but then I was wondering if Hangman 
Um, if Hangman was, since he's like kind of the online heel, but this was a really good showing for these guys. I know we live in an era where every company has a hundred titles, but I have to say that the All Atlantic title has had a solid run of title defenses, and I'm gonna miss Orange Cassidy matches having a title to make it more interesting. You know what I mean? Because, or make it more enter- uh, more entertaining, because uh, you know. You know, um, questioning how much Orange Cassidy cares was also a good touch because it brought something out of him in this match, I, which I always expect for which I always expect from because you know I've seen how Orange Cassidy can actually go in the ring, but he has managed to make his style count on how to get uh, to get into his opponent's heads, and it, it, it when you have the right fucking people to like react to the head games and fucking get fucking pissed off because they're trying to have a serious competitive uh, you know uh, edge to this shit. It fucking, you know, it takes them off their fucking game. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Hold on one second. Starks promo, the crowd was into him before the before before he starts. It was surprising because you let them keep chanting. So you let them keep chanting, but they would uh, get mad at him for going over his time. I won't go all over this. I, I think the honeymoon period is over, where I don't have to recap a word for word of this company uh, company promo because this is just not a feud I care about. But Starks is a star, and this feud has sucked so much energy out of him the last few weeks. That it took me by surprise that people were still behind him, and he's still like Meg, you know, still very much over. So the crowd actually helped this segment because <clears throat> if you took time away for the last couple of weeks from AEW and came back, and you saw the segment with the crowds, you may have thought that this feud was not hot off the presses. But I'm just sick of this entire feud um, in general, and I know it's 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 not going to be done afterwards. They're going to keep messing up until, like, CM Punk comes back. So people will constantly fucking complain. This is what the discourse around it is going to be. The feud's not interesting, and neither are the characters who help book the discourse. So, uh, you know, you know, it, it just, it, just so you can plan your favorite's takeover of the fucking company. If, if, they, if they couldn't shake Starks down to say something public about Punk and that was positive, they would not be backing him up and pretending that they give a shit. So uh, if I'm al- if I'm allowed to give props to Starks for something in this uh, stupid feud, I'll give him respect for using sports entertainment ability to try and chick Jericho and play mind game. But since Jericho is a main sports entertainer, uh, he may be the one who's outsmarting Starks. Basically, he goes over what's happened the last couple of weeks. Jericho doesn't want to match with him. So you know what? He has an open challenge, uh, open contract for anyone who wants to face him at Revolution. When he said that, when he, when he said he was done with Jericho, the crowd erupted in cheers. That that was pretty funny. But these people don't. Um, but these people don't mean shit because they talked a big game when they fucking bo- cheer about that. But these people then cheer Jericho's music and then they sing along. I don't know if that means that they, they're hypocrites or if they're e- or if they can get easily brainwashed with Jericho's sports entertainment manipulation. But if in any crowd out there, you know, has the balls to stand by their convictions, don't sing the fucking song. But you know that's not gonna happen. 
you know. Jericho, should, if Jericho really did care, he would change his fucking theme, but he won't because we need to water down all this bullshit. Jericho calls out the tactic of not knowing what Starks is doing and it won't work. But then he tells Starks he's not done with them, so already I'm bored with the logic in this fucking thing. But I appreciate the crowd making this feel bigger than it deserves. But then Peter Avalon came out to accept the fucking challenge. And I should mention Jericho's wearing a spike jacket, so he gives Avalon the Judas effect while wearing that. But I actually would have been happier to have Avalon be in the match, you know, before I would enjoy another Jericho Starks match. Jericho goes in the ring and says they can't have Revolution without Chris Jericho. So maybe he should take the open challenge and embarrass him. Stark says, okay, he could, but we know that JS will be involved. And we saw what um, we, we, we saw Jericho become the first ever AEW champion by him all on his own. And he beat two legends in one night with no help, which is not true because there were like enough dirty finishes in, that, in those matches where he beat Rock and Austin. Starks then says unless uh, Jericho thinks he can beat uh, Starks on, beat him on his own, there's no reason to accept. Jericho insists that he can, in fact, beat Starks one-on-one, going so far as to offer another added stipulation. Uh, Jericho, JS is in the back, um, should he sign the contract, except he doesn't have a pen. And that's okay, though, because Starks does, you know what I mean? So that was like he owned him there. I guess it was a big own. Like the that that would be like an early nineties own on the heels basically, but this was like like if Sting was fooling Rick Rude basically, you know what I mean? That would have been a big own. Like that that would have been something super smart the commentator would have put over. But this is a sports entertainment segment, so Starks needed to get ahead of the get ahead of the game. Jericho grabs the pen from Starks, he adds the you know, the the stipulation inside the open contract. He tells Starks to be careful what he wishes for what he wishes for because nobody else smarts the Ocho. Then Jericho smarts and he's walking out, and so does Starks, who looks at the hard cam. This got a big reaction because the audience wanted to play along, but then they gave the segment a needed boost, even though the material left a lot to be desired. I know it won't it won't be over. I know Andretti is probably going to join the faction at some point. The only good thing will be if Garcia can leave eventually and become a babyface, but we don't know how this shit will is going to run. I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm not excited for this feud or match. Good for Stark for you know making something out of this before they can, you know, make drive you to WWE. I guess. They show the 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 tag team road two to at least give you the teams cutting some promos. I actually dug this. I'm not going over it because it's too short. But you got a bunch of teams to sell you on their case of why they should be the champion. And even though you know someone don't stand a chance just yet, at least it was not a completely empty battle royal. That you know with like you know just teams just being there. You remind your audience of the teams that you have at your disposal. I thought this was one of the one of the like you know it was a nice little thing that I can appreciate. We're beyond the pleasantries with these companies that you can't give props for small things being done. But I dug this. Butcher and Blade were you know getting time to cut promos is always cool with me. A uh, Clay versus Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. The rhymes are pretty good at this. They made mention of um running them out of town like Robert Sarver, the former um, Phoenix Suns owner, I think. Lee is uh you know Lee Lee Moriarty is about Tiger style, but it's funny his mom does it uh, doggy style, and says Stokely has a cast on because he's always touching his penis, and uh Bill's girl um 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 Big Bill's girl texted him that he was S A W S A W F T basically, again you know good match firm is fine with now being utility player to get a bunch of uh, to get a, get a bunch of feuds. They're clearly filling time until CM Punk comes back so they can carry out whatever they needed, but this is a decent match for what it was. Lee and Caster start off. Caster gets a big arm drag. Bill needs um, 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 needs him from the back. 
from the outside to give Lee the advantage, but Bowens uh, drives Lee down with uh, when Castro att uh, attempting a sunset flip, which then let the move turn to assisted backbreaker, kind of. But when, when Castro has his knees up, they come back from the break. Bill has control. He's mocking the scissors while rolling his eyes to the back. That was pretty fun. He misses the elbow drop. Gun boys are out there watching. Bowens gets a hot tag and drops Lee a bunch of times, a bunch of uh, kick strikes, until he gets uh, the Rough Rider leg drop and then has him in a torture rack UFO position and slams him down. He does a bunch of strikes to... Uh, um, to, uh, to, uh, um, Bill and a nasty thrust kick. He scissors with Billy, but, B um, B Big Bill high boots Billy gun, and then Caster goes, go, um, and then he does it to Caster. He goes outside, guns start beating up Billy, and then Caster chases them, and then they run to the ring, and Caster was still able to put down Bill from, from the, uh, when Bill was trying to get, a, get him, he put Bill down from, 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 uh, hitting the ring post. Lee has a near fall on Bowen's. I, I missed the move. I, I issued the move. Yeah, I, I booked the fucking, you know, whatever. I, I missed the move. Lee does the Booker T kick, and he misses. Eventually, he gets the Eventually, Bowen gets the arrival, and then Cash does the mic drop. I didn't mind this. These matches are, you know, just done to keep a claim strong since losing their titles, since people think they're going to be, you know, go by the wayside. There's probable chance that Billy won't turn on the acclaim now since they attacked him more this time, but who fucking knows? I totally forgot guns are with the firm since they have not really been associated with Stokely. But maybe Stokely talking them up would help them since he's a manager, but it is what it is. But this is fine victory. The Scissor Zona chants are hilarious. Nothing much to say about it, but if you wanted to complain, then you could complain how Lee Moriarty is not being used to his full potential. But sometimes people have to play utility players for the time being, you know. You know, I don't know. Um, Christian Jungle Boy promo. The, Christian was supposed to be interviewed, but Jungle Boy attacked him viciously, and then he gets a sliding elbow to the back of the head, and then brings out two chairs and puts his head on the on one. And he was gonna do the concerto. He thinks about it and he hesitates. And before he does, Christian punches him in the dick uh, from like lying down. And he slams a chair into his head. He does it more. Jungle Boy is busted open. This is fine segment. I wonder if they can do, do you know do you know do a good go home promo next week, or if they plan to make this go on even further since people are complaining about it, especially the ones who get the advanced script. Something tells me it'll go on past this interview, and maybe they'll get something you know get something game changing to happen and make it more interesting. Maybe you know like Edge coming back or something. I don't know. But I like how Christian has something of his. I like how Christian has something up his sleeve. Sorry, sorry, I had to like pause this a couple of times because there's fucking shit going on in my house. But like I said, I like how Christian has something going up his sleeve. I don't know why Jungle Boy was hesitating though because this guy is trying to take you out a lot of the fucking time and said horrible things about your dad and mother. But maybe because he doesn't want to end somebody's career, but I'm going to guess his feud ends with Jungle Boy actually doing the concerto, I guess. It's kind of spelling that out the way that, you know... But they have to follow up why he didn't want to do it or why he hesitated. Maybe he didn't want to go to the dark side because doing that action would have changed his mentality, but I think I think he's justified enough to do it. But Christian has done enough to drive him there, but I actually wanted to hear the promo, but I think they, I think they wanted to salvage it for the go-home show or so they wanted to get another heated angle to, you know, to, you know, to get going. I wonder if, again, I don't even know if it'll be on a pay-per-view. I'm assuming that it will, but, you know, I don't know how long they're going to plan to the pay-per-view. I hope it's not that many fucking matches, but, it, you know, I know how Tony Khan's going to fucking be. 
Joe Provo, he basically said that he scouted Warlow because he wanted to take the take away his one connection away he had. He's going to destroy him, and Warlow's making a mistake of stepping in the ring with him. It was decent. They have done a good job structuring this feud itself when it got got, got going. Even when it got going, even though like the team formed happened randomly and they didn't give it time to let it go on, but people would have complained even if they knew what the end goal was and they got Joe in. in so, but now they got Joe in some next gear. The problem is that Joe's television view with Darby was one of the more compelling ones, and I'm sure. You know, all their ma- all their matches will be better than this one. I hope there's a good go home promo or angle to really make this feel like a big fucking deal. Uh, I do, I do like that. Uh, I do like that Warlow's vulnerability about the, about his hair. The thing is, maybe if they had established that early on when you were doing um, when you're doing profiles on Warlow the Babyface during other months, maybe the audience would have known what to, um, what to feel. With why the haircut was a big deal, that could have stayed with us to recognize why it's a big deal. Not saying telling people about it now was a bad idea. It gives you some idea, but I have, I have, but like you know, but like you know, I just thought, oh look, it's just humiliation, right? It would have meant a lot more if we knew about that before, basically. But I, you know, um, you know, but again, you know, I, you know, I, you know, whatever. I have no idea if this feud continues after the review. Thing is, if Wardle loses, it feels like he'll lose momentum even more. But if jo- but Joe's on a roll as a heel, and if he loses the title, people will complain. But I I will say, even if Joe loses the title, he has done more in the last year to raise the stake of the title with his blood feuds. The TD title is one title that can afford to go back and forth. It's just they did it so much with Sammy and Cody, they did it with Sammy and Scorpio Sky. And then they did it with Darby and Joe, and these were like you know not well. Well, the Darby and Joe one was well received. I'll say that that one was like you know what would call for it. But the history of this title has always had back and forth reigns. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where something I you know I advocate for like having feuds for titles, opposed to just title defenses solely. Not even saying you can't do those open challenges at all whatsoever. But even with the this building of a peer review with the match advertised in advance, they won't do the best job. So it advocates for people d- doing it in a way that they, they, they did it in the past, where the peer review match is decided two weeks before the show. People want Mox and Punk level build. One of the worst builds, other than the Mox beating Punk in five minutes, right? Which would have been, which should have been the peer review match, quite honestly. And then you build a rematch for Punk getting his groove back, but you know. They could have made that feud more epic, but people who are now shitting on this creative, now you know now are the ones who are gassing that shit up. This is why you don't argue with people who have it in their head. They're gonna you know, because they're gonna hate shit currently because they're sticking to their script. They'll just be rude and act condescending while baiting people to respond. Saray versus Sky Blue. This match was not that fucking good. Sky was doing well in it, so I give her props because they cared when she got momentum going. But this entire division has been completely shit on, and they're doing it on purpose so no one else really gets over. So the you know the shills can do the same type of booking WWE does for Charlotte, even though you're not supposed to like Charlotte, even if the company is telling you they're behind her. Like I love Mercedes, and I'm I'm sure she didn't choose the scenario, but it's just funny between Punk and Mercedes. These are these supposed anti WWE people never wanted a place to make as many stars as possible. They just wanted um, shit in a holding pattern for their favorites to come in and give them a super serum booking, basically. 
they'll double down on him, but they know each time they do their tactics, it doesn't, it doesn't mean as much. They, they they came into the game too late, and they'd rather be scripted to be right rather than actually being right in a situation of how to book a division. So Soraya slipping off the crowd. She causes Sky to, you know, get a bunch of shots on her. Eventually, from the top rope, Sky was distracted by Tony and let Soraya get a sweep, a sweep her from the top rope. A bunch of kicks behind the rest back. Tony did a suplex onto the ground. Soraya has control. Sky eventually gets in the, that octopus hold. Soraya ends up planting her head viciously for a near fall. Soraya gets her perched up, gets some nasty shots, and Sky fights out of a superplex and gets a diving crossbody. She gets a rising knee strike against the ropes and then a drop kick. And then Tony gets, uh, uh, gets on the apron before the before the pin, and she clocks Tony. Soraya gets a thrust kick, and she gets that submission, the PTO, the page tap out. I guess I'll call, I mean, you know, whatever. I guess you can't call the STO, Soraya tap out, but whatever. They were going to spray paint Sky, but then Jamie and Brett ran out to make the save. The heels uh, run up the ramp, but then Ruby comes out, and she's teasing who she's going to be siding with. This is fucking stupid. Later, they have a pro with Jamie and Bray, and basically Jamie's challenging Soraya and even Ruby to a triple threat match at the pay-per-view, which is cool. I really thought we were going to do a multi-wood match instead of a title defense, so I'm glad. I'm sure they'll, they'll carry out more, but maybe they'll have it together by the time Revolution is done. The entire feud and division feels like a life support. There's more going on on AEW Dark and Elevation that's more intriguing than the main roster shit. Keep in mind, the same people who are complaining about the division now are the ones who advocated for less time because there are no stars. I guess some people didn't get their quid pro quo since that's what motivates people. I, I, I need to be done covering these fucking programs itself. I, I, I just, I, I just, they, they perfectly turned it into shit. That's, that's, you know what I mean? It's not that like it's, they're inept. I, you know what I mean? I don't buy these companies that are inept. I'm sorry. So it's just meant for everyone to secure jobs so they, you know, would sacrifice the product while pretending they give a shit. If, if I'm talented in this place, or in WWE, I would question why the owners would appease a bunch of edgelords so they can get their favorite uh, favorites in position because they get free autographs and maybe even a picture of feet. I think Jamie has been a really solid champion, but she feels like she's still being back up to, to uh, back up to Jamie. I said here, back up to Brett on some level, even though she's done more mic work lately. But they don't feature enough on the main program to get defenses out of the way or let them have more time for storytelling. Like the women are not the issue. They have they, they have talented women who work there who are really fucking good. But every every fucking women division in the U.S. has to have this real life fucking discourse where we debate: oh, Are people ready for more women matches? Are we ready for them to be taken seriously as a man? You know, like, dude, just fucking book it properly. You know the the, the pe- pe- people. I don't know. Whatever. The Brian promo. So this promo was fine. I liked it. The crowd was very heated for it, and they reacted accordingly. But apparently, we're not supposed to take crowd reactions seriously because it doesn't add to the narrative that narrative that MJF, uh, MJF and Brian's feud has is a bad feud. Yeah, the, the running the running the gauntlet is not my favorite thing to do. But the strength this time was that the feud just began, and it wasn't like Jericho MJF where they had all the good promos and moments before. The you know, the matches that happened before, and then and then and then they to extend it, they did the gauntlet match stuff with Jericho. This was just a way to get Brian to have amazing matches to the point, and the point was to have him not be a hundred percent for the match. Well, MJF is insecure about his position in the company and is fueled by wanting to keep the title so much as possible. So you're getting a bunch of origin stories for the um, for the day that he can take it and go a babyface route, maybe. But he keeps wanting the audience to be repulsed by him, even though he wants the fucking chairs deep down. 
He's a bipolar person, like you know, like, like most entertainers. This is like one of the more the, one of the more realer portrayals of what a villain is, and not not just cartoonish shit. The Edge Lords, uh, the Edge Lord shit doesn't mean as much since it's been disarmed all the time. I don't think they, they need MJF to cut promos every week, but there's never really a bad MJF promo. It might not be the best material at times, which is why I don't think he needed to do the, do as much mic work as often as he did during this build. But he's scared to be tested by Brian, but he also hates people like Brian who take their careers for granted and put it and put it over their family because he would love to have that kind of family. At first, I thought his girlfriend thing was a made-up story, but apparently his real-life, you know, kayfabe fiancé broke up with him. I think it added to the promo because on top of it already being pissed off and insecure about the place he's in the wrestling world and crossing the line with people who might deep he might deep down respect, his personal life came in the way of this promo, and he reacted to it by venting in this promo, and I think it fit that we didn't know for sure if he's lying or not because MJF is not the most reliable narrator when it comes to origin stories. You don't know if he's lying or telling the truth, but even if he acts like a piece of shit, he is baiting Brian by making valid points about Brian's mentality. And it's kind of the mentality that the mafia people uh, have to sacrifice for the business that they're in. But if MJF wanted to be the good guy, he could expose that, but he's picking on Brian about it solely, you know what I mean? Thing is, if you, you could have skipped over the first part of the promo because I was getting tired of these origin stories, but once he made this point to Brian about Brian being selfish, it kind of hit and people were reacting to it. The crowd was really hyped for it, um, was hyped out when MJF and, and, uh, him and Brian brawled, and I like that MJF didn't back away from the brawl and fully went at him with no hesitation. People don't like CTE being brought up in a promo because maybe that will expose that the, you know, the, the, the shills uh, on, on the surface don't want the topic covered because it would lead to the conversation and these things are part of your sacrifice to the fucking game. He hypes, Brian hypes at Phoenix, says it seems like people want him to win the title of Revolution, which he obviously agreed to. He'll do everything in his power to beat MJF for the title. But first, I want to talk a little bit about what he said last week. He came out here and said he hated Brian, uh, MJF said he hated him last week. So he tries to break, he tries to break, MJF tries to break his arm of a friend, and he hates him. He put a bounty on his head so he couldn't make it 100% to the pay-per-view and try to injure him, and he hates And he hates him. He hospitalized his mentor, William Regal, and he hates, and so, and he still hates Brian. And before he continues, MJF comes out, which gets a lot of booze. MJF says, and I get it, I'm not doing word for word with this shit, you know what I mean? Brian says, um, I'm just saying, Brian must have had all these schmucks twisted. He knows who Brian really is, and he knows who he really is. He's the guy who was left stranded by anyone who's ever opened up, he's, he's, he's ever opened up to, and thrown away like trash by anyone who's claimed to love him. Until he met the girl that changed his outlook on life and convinced him that not everyone in this world is bad. He wanted to make a home with her and have kids. You know, he, you know, he proposed basically. He wanted to have kids with her and start a family. And he got down on one knee to ask her, ask her to marry, um, to uh, you know, to um, you know. Take his hand in marriage. And what did she do? She left him. The crowd yelling, you deserve it, which was the funniest in this promo. And Jeff said he made him, um, she made him feel like he's unlovable. Uh, and then, and then that's the only thing in this, and then the only thing, not the only thing in this world that he can trust that makes him feel condition, unconditional love that he has, in, that he has, um, that he, basically the AW championship is what he has. The triple B is the only thing that's keeping him from stuffing his face with pills and calling it a day. 
or calling it today. I put up calling it today. I really fucked up. I was going to hurry. Everyone loves Brian Danielson. Everyone respects him, and they throw their hands in the air and scream, "Yes, Brian will." Um, Brian will have something. MJF, but Brian, Brian will have something that MJF will never have: a family, a beautiful, adoring wife, two health, two healthy, uh, happy children. And yet he takes it all for granted. Why? Why does uh, MJF hate Brian? Not because these schmucks think he, Brian is better. Because by March fifth at Revolution, they'll know that's not the truth. But because he had more concussions and head trauma than anyone in the history of this business and goes over the seizures Brian has had, he's, and he's still in his sport. And to MGF, every time Brian steps into the ring, he's saying that wrestling is more important than his family and his children. Every time he steps into the ring, he's spitting in his face because he's taking everything he would kill for for granted. Brian is no better than his worthless drug addict mentor, William Regal, who he gladly sent to the hospital. Even worse, Brian, Brian's even worse. Because Brian's addicted to the spotlight, and at Revolution, he's gonna get the spotlight he can he can possibly need when MJF punishes him for trying to take away his title and for taking things for granted. MJF says he wants to speak to Brian's children. Brian tells him, uh, if he does that, he'll kick the shit out of him. And I think Brian should have d- d- done it right then before MJF did it, or maybe MJF should have gone on gone for it instead of saying he's gonna do that because it made Brian look like an idiot for threatening him, but he didn't stop him from saying the stuff that he was saying. So MJF went to the cameras at Birdie and Buddy. He's going to make Dada pay for all the selfishness. He's going to grab his arm and rip it off and off his socket and make him submit and make sure he can never play with them again. The crowd's chatting asshole. For, um, after one hour straight, he'll make sure Brian can't pick up his kids again. He's going to beat him in the head over and over. He'll give Brian a gift. And that gift is uh, early onset uh, early onset CTE and Brian beats the shit out of him. And MJF fights back. Security refs break it up. The crowd was getting heated for it. I thought the segment was awesome. I know people are going to get sick of the origin stories, but the last bit was um, what he was doing, uh, of what he was doing, and how he finished it off was fucking excellent. You got in Brian's head while also having valid points, but how does Brian justify what was said? Because there's some truth to people in this business who have their heads uh, set on being future memorial tributes. Some portions of these promos are practices for you know practice for when MGF does become a babyface down the line. And thing is, you can't say that the guy isn't a layered character. We know what the title match is about. The man's talking about how much the title means. He's talking about after peer review, people won't think of Brian as better than MGF. I'm not saying you have to like every bit of the fucking promo, but I'm sick of people pretend that the internet smart, the, the internet smart uh, pretend to be uh, dumb because they are going to put down any talent that has beef with CM Punk. That, book, that booking is boring and stale, just like the shitty booking of people not being used on, on the program. So glad I'm so, I'm so glad that Sami Zayn and Owens stayed in WWE. Otherwise, that would be, be their booking for internet discourse while the shills pretend to be experts who are permitted to be. They won't let you interpret, and if you do interpretation, it's not, like, valid because we have to do the internet discourse as the main narrative. It's, it's why for so long people who covered this, or, like, you know, would, would shit on anyone interpreting it because WWE needs the internet narrative to always be cynical in the most limited and on-surface way. And sorry, I'm not going to do that. I don't care if I mind the fucking pretentious elitist cool club. But I think MGF framing this promo into Brian being selfish is pretty well done. Brian can counter and disarm him, but he probably won't. Think of MGF has valid points about all the heroes he's faced, even if he's a bad faith actor who's a piece of shit. I really, I really have enjoyed this build and feud, maybe because they haven't done the match and watered it down, but this was a good segment, and I don't know how much you can do next week. Next week, you, you, 
You can just you know, show them training and getting prepared for it. They don't need to do much else. Let MJF savor the promos more. You know what I mean? Don't let cut promos every time. The matches already has, has built, giving other matches a chance to get some last-minute shine. The only complaint was that Brian should have, you know, got into MJF early, especially after he warned him to talk about his kids. The Battle Royal, for, this was impressive. I'm, I'm running out of fucking time, so let me get right to the to it. But the winners for this was the right, right call, and they did a good job producing the Battle Royal because this was, company will have solid ones. Sometimes the ones that are not are so out of control and have no flow to it. But this felt like it was chaotic, and you let certain people shine, which is always a plus. But like like Butcher was one of the highlights in this match. He always has a good showing in the Battle Royal. I can't keep up with all this. Aussie Open are there. Parker and Bernard are just outside chilling. Trent and Lethal are brawling outside. See, like nothing happened for a bit, Penta hangs on from being dropped outside from Nice, they fight on the apron, Mark Briscoe starts going after Sterling outside to brawl with Woods who is watching the match outside Penta eliminates Nice with a fear factor, Penta, uh, Phoenix and Penta do the double back heel kicks to Ari, so they throw him outside to Sterling, during the picture picture I was trying to keep up with who was in still, I saw Silver hang on from being eliminated by Blade, Matt and Parker still haven't really been in the Battle Royal yet, I see Ozzy Open working on Dante, they come back top five do their combo offense on Kyle Fletcher. Ozzy Open try to eliminate Darius, but Butcher and Blade eliminate them. Silver and Reynolds do their combo move set and eliminate Blade. Darius was eliminated with the Ozzy with with Ozzy Open too. By the way, Blade threw. Um uh, uh, threw Reynolds into the corner and he got eliminated. Benta, uh, Penta, Penta, Penta eliminates Preston with the Kamagiri. Rouge eliminates Penta. Then Preston brawls with Penta uh, up the ramp. Rouge blocks a kick from Phoenix and Rouge gets a jumping knee. Rouge is hanging on from being eliminated and Phoenix does a tight rope kick to eliminate him. Parker and Bernard are still outside. They try to eliminate Trent. Butcher is eliminated, eliminated Silver. Denhausen got thrown out by Parker and Bernard because he, but, you know, when he just came in for randomly. But he he cursed them and the best friend eliminated them. Then Butcher eliminated Chuck. They go to another break. They come back. Lethal and Jared the only full team inside. Dante Phoenix super kick Butcher. Phoenix um, rebounds in, but Butcher shoulder blocks them through the ropes. Butcher eliminates Dante. Phoenix eliminates him to a huge cheers. Jared eliminates Phoenix, and they're left with Trent. Trent's fanning them off. Lethal helps. Uh, um, sorry. Uh, Saddam Singh helps Lethal stay on the apron, and he goes to the other side to catch Jarrett, and then Trent drop kicks both of them. But you know, um, but I put but Trent, I do I, I got the names wrong. I, first of all, I said Lethal's helping Lethal, and I said Trent's help. Trent drop kicks both of them, but Trent's helping them up. It's Saddam Singh that's helping them up. Trent gets a tornado DT on Lethal. Jarrett gives them the stroke. Jarrett throws him out, and he doesn't know. Uh, Trent is the cast, so Lethal throws him out, but Orange Cassie has him on his shoulders while Lethal and Jarrett are starting. Lethal ends up being eliminated, and Denhausen is chasing Sanjay. Trent eliminates Jarrett, but Singh caught him again to huge boos. Jarrett gives him the stroke, and he throws Trent out. Too much to keep up with. First of all, Roosh and fucking... Uh, Roosh another fucking loss this week. Again, you know, but well, whatever. I like I like how they use Aussie Open, even though they're gonna face Bucks on Rampage. But the thing is, they bring in these guys just to lose two times in a week. Sometimes you need to bring them in with win some matches before you let them actually lose. This is why Impact uses New Japan talent a lot fucking better. You know to get to, to get a good match, which you know than than how a you know, use better than how AW does it. AW does it for a buzz of the week to get a good match, which is fine for some people, but Impact actually lets them establish solid wins and insert themselves into angles before they fucking lose. 
I didn't get why you needed Mark Briscoe out there to attack Joshua Woods since the win last week was pretty definitive. It feels like Arya needs another tag team, but while Josh is probably be the singles guy when they need to do, but then when they need to, and then when they need to do trio thing, they can do that. You know what I mean? But it's weird because on Dark, Arya's still associated with an old group, but on the main show, he's kind of part of the varsity athletes, and I think he fits the varsity athletes more than what he was doing with the Trustbusters. <laughs> Um, Butcher and Blade ha- had a good showing. I was hoping by them eliminating Aussie Open, it would you know have Aussie Open face. I'm gonna get a victory over them, but I like I like I that 2.0 stood out there, stood out in the match by not getting in. Sometimes when there's not much to stand out, like there's not much to stand out with being in a battle royal. So you do character work, you know and I mean they got eliminated rather quickly when they got in. Just basic heel shit. I thought Dante had a good showing. Phoenix and Penta felt like a big deal. Most Aussie Opens, good moments were, were top flight during the picture-in-picture. Picture. It feels like these Battle Royals are also set up for other teams to have feuds with each other, even if it's just lower card feuds, basically. It feels like, you know, um, it feels like with the way uh, Best Friends were focused on in, in this ending and how they got screwed over, they kind of have to win the Casino Battle Royal since they're tied into this feud anyways. People are going to be pissed when it isn't FDR, but they have to have that internet build for themselves so the shills can... Complain about FDR not being on the card, so they can purposely, you know, uh, you know, uh, undercut the talent because they're boring. Because you know, the the story, the people are boring assholes with their storylines, and there's no originality to 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 it whatsoever. This company has booked Satnam uh, perfect for the usage that they need. You know, they need him to deliver. Jerry Lethal got so much heat in this, and I think they got you. Know, they, they they did amazing character work. You know. Guns try to make a deal with them later on to uh, watch his back until it's a, them them as a final two in the match, and they kind of like agreed to to some degree. I don't know. It was mostly Sanjay doing the talking over over talking shit. Um, to, uh, House of Black promo. Basically, they have come face to face with these um problems and to and to, and they need to eradicate them. It was fine. These promos could mean more if they cut promos in front of a live crowd, like I said before, because these promos serve an advance of vague story, but then people won't remember every promo. At least live ones will give people a chance to feel the energy. So I'm hoping when the they, they confront the elite, they'll actually cut a promo because we need something more than just showing up and the lights go out and then they're gone. I want them to win the titles, though. Maybe House of Black will corrupt the elite in time for their program with CM Punk. Tony Khan with Adam Cole to address the new show. Basically, Tony Khan probably gets heat for these little things, and then he'll come back later with something bigger, but he does a stupid fucking trope of you know, making a big announcement. It's like they'll purposely do it for the shills, can feel they complain about something as well, but the man just let Cole take the heat for this to address it. His first match back will be on the series, which is a big deal, I guess. I have no idea how they'll execute this. If it's supposed to be a reality show, but then there'll be a live match, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know if I, I have it in me to watch a third hour on Wednesday for AEW. Plus, I don't even know if TSN will carry it. But this is not exciting whatsoever. I, I want to know what's going on with Cole, because his initial promo on the main face, it was dope. But now he's coming off like a generic where I want him back as a fucking heel. I, you know, I guess it was, it was better not to have a match at Revolution, I guess. The card's already fucking stacked. I don't want to be watching this shit until like 1 a.m. They don't need to add more matches unless you want to put a bunch of them on the kickoff. But so far you got, you know, the world title match, the TNT title match, the women title match, Hangman versus Mox, Jericho versus Starks, and the tag title match. Like that's to me enough, but, you know, for Rampage, Sammy versus Andretti, Archer's going to be in action, Willow versus Tony Storm, Keith and Dustin, you'll hear from Keith and Dustin, and Aussie Open versus the Bucks. And Dynamite Battle Royal, Casino Battle Royal, and then Hook versus somebody. 
So before the Starks promo, um, we heard from Uno and Hangman, where Uno actually told Hangman to you know off a bit, and it was a good a good promo to get you to see him in a more serious light, and maybe they'll eventually turn heel down the line. But the promo was when Hangman tells him to eat, whenever Hangman tells him to stay in the back, what Hangman is saying is that they're not on his level. So he tells Hangman not to get involved, um, from bell to bell basically, and it's time for them to stand up for themselves. And he just mocks about, about being about, about violence. This was good. If this was were happening during the honeymoon phase. A lot of us would have loved that there was someone from the mid-car stepping up to be taken more seriously, even if we know they're not going to win. But sometimes you need that one performance to make people intriguing um, by you again. But Dark Order are, um, you know, are friends with the elite in real life, so now we have to shit on everything because CM Punk is probably paying these accounts to do that, in my opinion. People complaining about this being the main event, when it was more about, the, it was more about an important few getting time, uh, getting, getting time in the end, um, the, and this was kind of the backdrop, while also letting Uno shine. It's not a long main event, but they gave Uno a ton of this. A ton of this. He bled profusely through his mask. And like I said earlier, it would have been cool for Mox not to do it this week. But instead, you know, uh, make someone else um, bleed. But there has to be something in Mox's Illuminati contract that requires him to bleed every fucking week. And I kept spelling week uh, W-E-A-K. I'm the only guy that will willingly tell you my mistakes on this thing. You know, I keep it 100% honest. Because I'm so disgusted by myself. Why? Now, now I don't want to read this. I'm sure, I'm sure this will lead to some real-life discourse since the blading shit is, is to fuel the podcast and we have non-stop discussions about it. This is a good main event. The people who use ratings as a, as a gospel couldn't say shit when they realized they gained viewers for the main event. They have like pro wrestling and never had a main event where it might not be the most main event level match. But how else do you elevate people? How do people elevate themselves? I, I guess until CM Punk comes back, maybe we have to forget about all that. You know what I mean? So Uno goes right at him very aggressively. Mox fights back and they exchange strikes. He has the advantage until Uno gets the high, high boots on, whips Mox to the, whips Mox to the jacket, bites him, does a couple of avalanches in the corner. Mox fights out from being superplexed. He rips Uno's mask a bit. Uno still high boots him off the apron and Uno goes for the top top rope. There's a senton to Mox outside. The crowd's getting behind Uno. Mox lured him, into, uh, lured, lured him back outside and slammed him into the steps and slams his head against the against it. There was, uh, there was some Mox chance, but you know, it was mostly Uno crowd. Uno barely gets, gets in and Mox kicks him in the head, mocks with a bunch of forearms to the face. You can see blood coming out uh, from a you know f- out of his mask a little bit. At least the facial, you know, the parts that you can see, right? Uno gets a pile driver twice for a near fall. Mox puts a choke on him. Does the hammer and anvil elbows. Uno tries for the uh, go for the rope, but Mox turns into a bulldog choke. He keeps changing grips, and the blood is gushing out. But he won't quit, and he gets up. But Moxley is gripped until he ref- the ref calls it basically. And then Silver and Reynolds run out to save Uno because Mox would not let go. The beast is. Um, and their um, and uh, and them kind of fight. Uh, Hangman comes out and goes after Mox and has a re- he wraps his um, he wraps barbed wire around his ha- um, around his uh, hand and knocks Mox out with it. I put he he wrapped it around his head and knocks Mox out with it, which would have been like even more insane. The uh, make Hangman bleed too. Um, the crowd is behind is behind Hangman. This was good, and and it's no mistake now that BCC are are like now the fucking heel. This is great stuff. I didn't need Mox to bleed at the end for no fucking reason, but whatever. This was a really good performance by Uno to get himself some buzz because Dark Horror has been doing you know doing well on the YouTube shows, but they still have not had much focus other than the trios tournament final, uh, finale at All Out. So this is really good. Mox is the first one to get 100 wins with this company, which is fitting since he's kind of the ace. Maybe give him, you, you give him the extra accolades, essentially. 
This took Uno to another level, though. I'm looking forward to the Hangman mock thing, but the program has kind of been stagnant at times because they wanted it for the pay-per-view, but they were trying to, the hard not to go overboard other than the, the one match. But now it feels like since that last week, the feud has kind of kicked into the next gear. You had Mox destroy Uno. This could lead to Dark Order turning heel down the line as well or turning on you know Hangman eventually, which will let him join back with the Elite, maybe. I don't know. Not now, but down the line. I think BC have to kick Brian out after this title match other than other than just kind of teaming with Mox. He's kind of not been involved with these guys. But I think that will be addressed. But I'm looking forward to the Hangman Mox in the pay-per-view. I think they could have held out on longer from making this match the rubber, and made this match the rubber match instead of doing it on free television. I thought they were going to the, going to the root of Hangman having to sign a hold harmless agreement to take the blame off the company since he insists on fighting. Anyways, a good show overall, not the best show, but I've en- I enjoyed it. I know it's against the law because I have to take a planted Reddit post and sports entertainment account seriously, like they're trying to get the angle over I guess I don't know let me do impact real fucking quickly because the, the pay-per-view is on right now but I, I'm not gonna be able to watch it you know Mike Bailey and Grisham who are gonna face the pay-per-view lost it was not over the top they didn't get along but there was miscommunication which cost them this was like a really solid opening match it was like really hard hitting I guess you needed something for their build but I, I don't like that two people are going in with losses I know Morris machine, machine Guns you know b- beat them they did they, defend the title so they had a win but I guess their justification is that they have they had no heat to the match so then miscommunicating is kind of the story they didn't have to do the, the match and they could they didn't have to do this match and could have had, just had it could have just been dope as is but the match was good, and um, and so it's hard to complain. But this is a really solid uh, match in general. Swan and Josh had a video package. Basically, Josh goes over him having the longest and shortest reign and putting himself over and has to break Swan again. Swan going over how his struggle and wh- what it means to uh, get in a shot. The same stuff as last week, basically. But it was weird. Josh was saying he had to break Swan. It kind of came off a bit heelish, even though he's still very much a babyface. They showed Giselle attacking Deanna last week on the before the impact. They were going to dump Chili on her, but then Giselle dumped, uh, Giselle dumped it uh, on that Vidal dude. And Deanna, and then, and then uh, you know, Deanna t- just took off basically. But then Deanna cut the promo this week about how Giselle's admitting that she's a problem. She proved it, and how she's bragging about her best friend leaving. Deanna made a career out of luck, and basically talks more uh, shit about you know th- their match, and the, you know because G- Giselle's like character has been like bad luck basically. I've enjoyed Giselle's character recently. She's had more intrigue to her since embracing this random tag team curse thing she's doing. Skylar cut the promo before the Beat the Clock challenge and basically asked what will happen if Jimmy doesn't win the Beat the Clock match. And that's, you know, um, and, and, that, and, this is all, and this is all for who's going to talk first in a talking segment. I'm just saying people online who boast about Impact being so good, they don't ever want to criticize shitty creative like this. I'm, I'm sure the segment will be fine, but it doesn't have to be a pay-per-view. There has to be a big angle if you like. There has to be a big angle if you're doing this, do, doing that on that pay per view, right? Dreamer beat uh, Hotch, by the way. But I like the the way they let Skyler get the mic time to get himself over, and not just be a generic team for Bully Ray, basically. It shows Joe Henry in a meeting greet. Nothing much to that. They had Allison K versus Taya. And listen, I like that woman. Div- I like the women division. I think X joining makes sense. But getting the title shot right away, not having a match right away, is and having that, not having a match to like you know, to win win like you know a title opportunity is to me is not good booking because they were supposed to have a good division with good booking. And even though the match between Taya and Allison was fucking quality for the most part. 
The teasers of the stink face in the corner from both were kind of fucking weak. Like, I, I hate these sports entertainment tropes and wrestling. Like, sometimes that shit takes away from the actual match. But Impact still has a better women's division than a lot of American companies. I do think the Hex should win the tag titles because maybe they'll do less supernatural shit for their storyline, which has a lot, uh, which has not made me enjoy a lot of the Dead Doll storyline as much. Even if they have decent, uh, decent matches. But Allison K won with her finish. It was a good move. Marty Bell clocked Rosemary outside, which led to a distraction. But I hope they actually win the titles. They come back from commercial. Josh and Rich signed a contract. And Santino surprised all problems at signing. Swan apologized to Josh for miscommunication. Josh accepted it and says he knows he doesn't have it in him. And Swan takes exception to that and goes over everything he's been through to get back to the spot. He tells him he'll give him a fight of his life. He expects nothing less from uh, from Josh. But it was a strong promo. Macklin comes in to say he'll face the winner and calls Swan a choke artist and Swan brawls with him. Josh tries to get involved but Swan shoves him and they still brawl. This is a good segment. I have to say that when uh, they announced this match before all these promos, I was not excited for this as much as the other options but Swan has talked himself to a big be a contender uh, and, go, and going over how he's felt like a disgrace losing in the first place and if he does lose, he can always turn heel if needed to be but I like that rejuvenation that Swan has in him. Dino and Callahan fought Kaz and Yuya. This was a very good match, too. Dino was doing some good character work with the stripping away of Sammy's identity. And then he, he, and then he wanted a tag, and Callahan would have finished it but then with, with, with the cactus driver. But then Dino left the apron, and eventually Kaz beats him with the cross-faced chicken wing. So I guess it was like the next step. I've been liking the storyline, but I need to see how they play this out. But Dina in the leader role has been really good. I never cared about him and, or Jake something when they first came. But they've given Dina's character layers where it's hard to believe that he's the same guy who came in this company years ago. They had a good promo, back, um, promo package between Mickey and Masha. Uh, I'm hoping that Masha wins. Mickey could actually have a dope feud with Bully Ray for, for, for like, you know, a real intergender feud since we can't talk about the last one since Tessa has kind of fallen off the face of the earth. But uh, Masha could have a good run with the title. I still think she should have won it sooner. Step 5 apparently was about loyalty to prove if Sammy will be loyal. It's not a contract, it's a covenant. Diener is surprised that he lasted this long and thought that he might be a ploy, but maybe it isn't, but he has two more steps, and the design chooses him, and he doesn't choose the design. Con will, Con will face Kaz in the pay-per-view. Um, Bully beat Gujar in less time than Dreamer with, with 40 sec- seconds remaining after he used a chain to knock him out after the good hands uh, distracted the referee. I'm glad they made them short, but I'm still I'm still not excited for this angle. Uh, Gujar apologizes to Dreamer uh, backstage for letting him down. Dreamer encourages him to use a loss to fuel motivation and the fuel because he, uh, he will lose matches, uh, you know, but he, has, he, doesn't, he doesn't know how to handle it and tells him he sees a lot in him and he, he um, I, I mean, this is decent at least um, to Dreamer for putting him over, you know what I mean? But we'll we'll see how this angle plays out in general. The main event was Steve, Steve, Kitty Steve versus Trey and they did that thing where they were separate dark rooms where they had no food and water for 24 hours. It feels like a decent concept but I never really ever like changing the element of the match like no one in the crowd knows this was happening I guess it's, a, it's an excuse to have some more aggression it was a monster's ball match which was pretty fucking good I figured they would have uh, done this for the pay-per-view but I guess they needed a live busted open segment we need to let Dave LaGreca get a pay-per-view payday over Trey Miguel and Crazy Steve uh, there was of course a huge black hole slam onto the attacks these guys really went all out in this fucking match this was probably one of Crazy Steve's most notable matches in this company while this may not have been like the best match for well, this match may have been the best match for Trey to have to add a level of danger to him since they both avoided, you know, uh, you know, since like, you know, uh, they both since like, you know, since Trey has done this uh, heel character. 
they both avoided going to a table. They double closed on each other, and they you know uh, and they land on the tacks. Steve, Squeeze Steve brought out Janice, a business old weapon, since they used a team, right? And they did it. He did Death Valley Driver to, to Trey through the table in the corner. Steve did a story from the middle rope onto Trey onto the chair and the tacks. That was insane. The guy is like you know. This guy was doing snow angel on them too. Trey hits a roll of the dice through the barbed wire bed in the ringside. This was fucking nasty for a few that I was not initially thrilled about because I didn't know what this gimmick was with Trey, but plus Steve has never really get super notable storylines often. This ended up becoming one of the more classic X Division matches. Maybe it was better for it to be on this show where more people could see it because impact reviews, no one really is ever watching live because there's so much other stuff going on. But this was a good go home show. And now I'm going to fucking, you know, be done now. So, peace out.